What is ice cream? Um, ice cream is uh, a wonderful dessert, and it's also a strain <laughs> of cannabis um, that is more of a sativa. Oh. Um, and ice cream in general, I think, is just a frozen, creamy kind of protein and fat-based sugar dessert. Thank you. It's frozen. So, like, you can make ice cream out of bananas. You can make it out of heavy cream. You can make it out of nuts. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of different things. If it has fat, avocado, um, Ooh. olive oil. You can make an olive oil ice cream. I'm making avocado brownies. Ooh. That's a good... You want the recipe? I don't know if it's vegan. Let me... I have to check. I'll just use uh, flax seeds as my eggs. Cool. And usually yeah. works pretty well. Are we, this is re official recording? Yeah, we're here. Okay, cool. On the podcast uh, with your hosts, Leah Russo. Hi, it's me, Leah. And Jordan Freed. What's Yay. up? Um, so I was just, I was just looking at this table, um, which is very neat and clean. And it has a empty bag of weed that says ice cream on it. And I just want to know what strain this was. And um, thanks for leaving some for me. I appreciate that so much. <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay. I didn't know you wanted. I have sour sage, another food. What is themed strange? I love sage. Yeah. No. Okay. Wait, um, is that say pumpkin? Oh no, purple. Purple dahlia. Ooh. Purple dahlia. Wow. Yes. Um. I love this. Okay, today we're here to talk about I'm Thinking of Ending Things, the new Charlie Coffin movie. <laughs> if you couldn't tell from our cannabis-based <laughs> rant. Yeah, like, <laughs> what uh, else are we going to be talking about? Sponsored by New Jersey Weed Man's Joint, across from Trenton City Hall. Oh Check God. it out. It's a great restaurant. Vegan options. Ooh. Backyard space to keep socially distant. We love vegans. Yes. Um, yeah, but we're here to talk about I'm Thinking of Ending Things. By uh, Charlie Kaufman, our good friend. Oh, you don't have to worry about coaster rings. <laughs> <laughs> I just already saw there's a circle from my coffee, so I was like, oh. This table was like a table that my mom was like, I'm throwing out this table. And I was like, I'll just take it. Right. <laughs> I can put something into space until mm -hmm. there's no more space. Isn't it crazy? Like, if you just drive, especially Bergen County, if you just drive around for the day, like, you'll furnish an entire apartment with nice shit. Like... People around here are, they're so rich that they give away the nicest stuff. If it's three years old, it has to go. Right, exactly. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so you guys might remember that we used to do this format on our podcast back when our podcast was a thing. And it was like, we would pick a movie of the week and then we would pick a theme based on that movie. And then from that theme, we would talk about two movies from the past that we love that fit the same theme and usually it wasn't like if we were doing a movie with Johnny Depp in it it wouldn't be like other Johnny Depp movies it was something like a little more like it was more of an A to C if you know what I mean by that <laughs> yeah <laughs> well our past well I guess you're you're still doing improv at Weed Man's right yeah sometimes yeah depends yeah. on the show yeah yeah um it's definitely different though like, doing improv. Like, we definitely rehearsed as Late Night Hump a little bit. But you really need, like, weeks and weeks of just, like, showing up and, like, gaining that chemistry and, like, figuring out your voice and, like, doing the shows. Mm -hmm. Miss the Mutt. Miss you guys. Oh, my God. I miss the Mutt so much. I've yeah. been, like, I feel like Ryan 
Lodge texts me every other night just to be like, I miss Rhino. Like, <laughs> it's like, I just, we just like send pictures back and forth and we're like, wow, like, we really had the life before. I just can't believe, like, I can't believe what's gone on in this world, honestly. I feel like this movie was perfect for this time. It's so... Because every day I'm like, what the fuck is happening? Yeah. I don't really know what reality is anymore. <laughs> Things just kind of change. Absolutely. And, like, it just gets crazier and crazier. But, like, also, if you think about it, like, with how exponentially everything has changed, like, kind of, like, mentally with just, like, screens. Because, like, a lot of technology hasn't changed. Like, manual labor requiring technology has not changed yeah. that much like we have not expanded very much on like large infrastructure <laughs> in america mm-hmm. but like with the amount of information you could have and the amount of like signals that are being thrown at you every day mm-hmm. i think like, that just makes sense everybody's going crazy yeah i think that's why quarantine was so weird because it's like i felt i was like wow because for, for the for the first like I don't know. For the first couple weeks, I was just like, oh, I'm just going to do nothing because this is only going to last a couple weeks, so I don't have to adapt to this. I'm just going to shut my life down and then go back to it. And now, all these months later, it's like, oh, okay. So I think probably around maybe, like, May, I started to be like, oh, this is just, like, life now. And it's it's weird because I felt like, wow, I finally have free time. I haven't had free time in, like, three years. <laughs> and this is great. I'm going to get to watch all the movies, all the TV shows, read all the books, like, get in touch with people that I haven't talked to. I'm going to like start writing again. I used to have a job as a writer. Like I never, like I never write anymore. And I'm like, wow, I'm going to do all this stuff. And then you, I also felt pressure, like, cause you can access anything in the world from your house. Like you can make a friend in Guam. You can take a class on anything. Like you can zoom with your old like friend from fourth grade. There's so many options just inside the house that it like I would get nothing done most of the days like I was just anxious about everything going on and like I did watch a lot of movies but I feel like compared to like when I was like 17 if I had a free day I would watch like four movies in a row no problem like no no problem focusing on all four of them no problem like reading about all of them after and like being invested and whether it was a good movie bad in between whatever like I I would just like pile them up one after the other and I like during quarantine I was like I'm gonna do that again and it didn't really happen maybe like one or two days I got three in but that's it like I just couldn't it's like there's it's like you're stuck in this one place but yet there's still so many options but then you have to deal with the anxiety of what's going on outside and it's just like I don't know yeah I think that's like the (laughs) bizarrest thing is like you used to just be afraid of, like, the things that were happening in your town, and now it's just like, oh, you're just afraid of, like, the world. And you're just like, I, yeah. can't, I can't ever leave my house, so I'm just going to buy Amazon and watch Netflix mm-hmm. and use my cell phone and internet and, like, read up on stuff. <laughs> yeah. you're just like, damn, like, what, what is even going to happen in, like, January of 2021? Like, what is, what is our country even going to be like? I don't know. I, like, I, there's just going to be podcasters talking in most their likely. basements. Like, it's the nuclear, like, fallout. Like, we're just going to be like, yep, we're watching movies. Like, most people have died. There's, like, there's 100,000 people left in America. <laughs> like, oh my God. I feel like that that is, like, where things 
not are like going going but like you do feel that also because like the rich people kind of have already like secluded themselves away from normal society because they don't need normal society now that they have like drones carrying them stuff and like apps to bring them food mm-hmm. so it's like hypothetically like all of the people who have to go back to work at some point could just catch the disease and die and then they could just be like oh wow we just have all of this space and all of this like <laughs> this entire country <laughs> that's just cleared open yeah but I, I guess they kind of need us because they don't spend money right they and they <laughs> yeah and people such as our president pay none or incredibly low taxes so they need us to kill ourselves to pay taxes like this year was the first year that I was paying a full year of taxes for running my own business and I was like oh my god <laughs> like, <laughs> I was like holy shit like it's, it's great during the year when they're not like no one's taking money out of my paycheck every week but then at the end you're like, oh my God. And like, I got an accountant for it and my accountant was like, unfortunately, I'm not gonna be able to get you a refund. And I'm like, I know that. <laughs> I wasn't paying taxes on my money all year, so I get that. But it was hard. Like on that day, like what was it? Like July 17th or something. Like when I had to actually submit that like sum of money, I was like, oh my God. And it was a lot more than what we just found out Donald Trump paid. And I'm just like, wow. Like, I don't understand. <laughs> Especially because... I, like, I, I just need to accept that I don't understand this person as, like, a human being or as anything. Because if I was him, I would – I feel like he – I know he's, like, this crazy, like, egomaniac and wants, like, all the power in the world. But I just feel like he could still somewhat save his reputation. Like, he could still just, like, turn around and personally give Americans his own money. Like, not going through legislature, not doing anything, like, just – literally giving people money and he would be like beloved and all of his supporters that are always fighting for him could be like well what are you guys gonna say now like he just gave you know 50 million dollars of his own money to you know low-income families like wow that's that's amazing how are you gonna not vote for him now like he could literally like he could still do something and he just won't it's so sad I would think even for his own ego like he would want to know that people can't argue with certain things at all. Like, you know, you could say I hate him for all these reasons, but wow, he really did do a great thing there, and he just won't. He just won't. But he's like the guy who speaks for the people who identify with the villain on TV. Yeah. Like, he is the person who speaks for the assholes in the country. That's so sad. And, like, people feel very represented by him because they're like, yeah, nobody's going to tell me what to say. Yeah, I'll say whatever I want to say. Oh my god, Jordan, you don't even know. I was in, um, well, I've been like ranting and begging people to vote because so many people I know hate him, and yet they're like, I'm not gonna vote, whatever. And I'm like, ah, like I'm not even trying to convince you. If like I'm not trying, I'm not calling Trump supporters and being like, please don't do this, please don't vote for him. I'm I'm talking to people I know who hate him, who are still like, I'm not gonna vote, like fuck the system. I'm like, ugh, like because. We're in a blue state. We're surrounded by other blue states, and there's a lot of Trump signs, and there's a lot of shit like that. And I went up to Lake George, which, like, yes, that county is a more conservative county, but, oh, my God, there were entire stores, Trump 2020 merchandise. That's it. Nothing else sold in the store. Then there were other stores that just had, like, general touristy merchandise, but they had all of these bizarre—I um, I mean, I'm using this word loosely, but 
art um, <laughs> that was like Donald Trump's head on like a biker's body with like tattoos and a leather jacket. And it says like, fuck you. And like, you know, like fuck the liberals, like, or like make liberals cry again or like <laughs> Trump 2020 or like one of them said, finally someone with balls. And I'm like, but why are you photoshopping his, like, he's not, he's a lot of things. He's not a biker. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, why? It, it's just so weird to me. And we were like, okay, we will get our Lake George bracelets elsewhere because it's like, what? And they're just so aggressive and, like, mean about it, you know? I was just like, I don't understand. It's just because they do the bidding for the richest people in our society. So they have the most money. So they have the best people and the best campaigns. Like, they literally know that, like, oh, if I make Donald Trump look like a badass, like, he's going to win. And, like, a lot of people who, like, do stuff for the Democratic Party make people look cheesy. And That's then it's a just really like, good perspective, actually. Because, like, the people who work for the Republican Party are, like, outcasts because they're the people who got cast out of all of their, like, political circles for being idiots and, like, not listening to logic. And now they're like, oh, there's a place for me in the Tea Party. And then they work their way up through the Republican Party, like, doing Roger Stone-type tactics. Yeah, and I'm it's like now. <laughs> And then Democrats are kind of just like, well, we're like the good people and yeah. they're not the good people. Cause like, it, like you look at Democrats, like they always show like the picture of like the intern room of like the Republicans, but like the Democrats look the same way. Like it's very male. It's very white. Yeah. That's like, the thing is like, I am totally liberal obviously. Um, but there are a lot of Democrats that are just like ridiculous. Like I, I hate when they're just like, well, we basically have to like, shut down every single system that exists and start from scratch now. And I'm like, okay, so that's not going to happen. So what can we do? <laughs> that's like actually a stepping stone toward that rather than just being like, we're getting rid of all of this. Cause like the bottom line is that's not just going to happen, especially when like we don't have the Senate anyway. So it's like, what do you, like, you can't, you can't like shut down the entire government. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like there's a lot of, there's a lot of liberal people like that that aren't even thinking critically. And then I get criticized as if I'm like, on the right because I'm like, well, I don't think that's actually going to happen. Like what's a, what's a, like maybe a smaller stepping stone toward that. I don't know. This has been our political segment. (laughs) I think when it comes down to it, yeah, we just like, I don't know. Hopefully Joe Biden wins because rich people also want him to win. And then once he's in office, then people start mounting a third party campaign for, Mm -hmm. for, 2024 where it's like not even a question it's just going to be like yes this person is going to be a major player whoever that major player would have to be like whether it's like an aoc that starts a new party or something to be somebody who would be like oh she's going to be the front person of this party because there's not a leftist party in america and like she is a formerly mainstream politician who was able to win in the democratic party who decided to go outside of the democratic party once she already had the support and like maybe that's how it would happen it's like love, a combination of green, libertarian, like people who aren't assholes who like do want to change their values just to like make the world a better place after being libertarian mm-hmm. <laughs> and like, yeah, working parties type people. Did you see that? I mean, she has so many like good like zingers, but did you see, I guess like one of the Republican senators called her or representatives, I can't even remember. Um, they were like. They were like, yeah, in a few years, you know, when you're serving me at McDonald's or something, we can talk about this or whatever. And she was like, well, I actually was a waitress a couple years ago and I don't look down on waitresses. So, like, I don't look down on, like, fast food workers. So if I'm, 
like working there, that's fine. Like I don't, that's not an insult <laughs> to me. Like what are you talking like, like you're just proving my point that you guys think that like the rest of the world is below you because they're not CEOs. Yeah. Like it's like they don't eat, like they step on their own points. Like so without even thinking about it, it's so bad. I just, anyway, yeah. um, what's your, what is reality <laughs> movie? Um, yeah. So I, I have some, some honorable mentions that like, I feel like we've talked about in the past. So I'm just going to like mention them like very briefly, cool. I guess. Uh, like Magnolia by Paul Thomas Anderson. I was kind of like, I thought about that as my movie, but I feel like we've definitely talked about that before. I rewatched it in quarantine actually. Same. Yeah. Yeah. I rewatched it two nights in a row actually. Cause I was like. I just love, I, I think I loved it more this year than I ever have before. I think in the past I was maybe like, I love this movie, but I, like it's too long and there's parts of it that I'm like, whatever. And like, I love Philip's part and I love like, I think Tom Cruise is really interesting in it and I love Julianne Moore's part, but like some of the other stuff I'm like, eh. And then this year when I watched it, I don't know, I was just in the perfect place to be like, this is so good. <laughs> like this it's is the perfect 2020 movie. Yeah. like Tom Cruise is like an alt-right, like... Mm-hmm. misogynist who is like the republican party right now is just people who think that tom cruise like negging people and being a pickup artist is like the way to be mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's like 30 percent of our country yeah. <laughs> um yeah also it just talks about tv's influence on people right it's like it's literally about how like oh you think this guy who's on tv like has his life set for him like the boy wonder and stuff like that mm-hmm. and like no like tv is fake that's why they call it movie magic like people in tv are sad they literally work in tv because they don't have good relationships with their family and like need to work like 18 hours a day to like get away <laughs> you know like that's like what a lot of like the film industry is like it literally is like sad at times and like that's how you get like destructive bosses and like media moguls who like don't care about you wanting to hang out with your family and don't care about you like wanting days off, you know, mm-hmm. is because you have like this industry that's just like, we need to make America think that everything is okay. And like all the time, all the time. Yeah. Like, we can't address any problems <laughs> publicly. It's actually, I, that makes me think of Cause it happens a lot in music too. Like so many musicians, especially with like addiction and stuff, like people are like, Oh my God, they're so cool. Like they have such a, you know, awesome lifestyle. And then they end up like fighting for their life because of the lifestyle. And I remember when I was a kid, um, Britney Spears had this song called Lucky, which was just like this bubblegum pop, like cutesy song, but it actually was about how it was about a girl. I'm making quote hands, a girl who knows who it is, um, who has this like perfect life. She's like a superstar. Everybody loves her, but like deep down, she like cries every night because she's like not really happy. And then a few years later, obviously like we all saw what happened with Britney Spears and it was like such a weird like prophecy that she had done this song before then. And I think a lot of people live like that. Like I think a lot of people live in a gilded cage and they're not allowed to like be themselves or express themselves. And then all of a sudden, like you saw with her, how it just all of a sudden hit this wall where it just reached this thing where she was like, I'm done with like being perfect and like adhering to what like everybody expects me to do. And I'm just going to run around in the streets and I don't even know what was, what personally was going on with her. But I think she's a perfect example of what happens when like, there's just this veil of like perfection and you're not allowed to be anything else. Yeah. Also people aren't supposed to be watched. 
you know, <laughs> like literally right. like that's why we have like the family structure in America is just so that it's like, oh, you focus on like the people that matter to you and then everybody else like kind of keeps to themselves. Mm-hmm. And like now we're in a situation where it's like everybody is looking at everybody else and everybody thinks that everybody has more than them. Everybody thinks that they have a better relationship, a better life than them. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, you have to like be happy with what you have. Like you need to realize that like this stuff is finite, like whatever you have, you know, whatever they have is finite like they're happy and enjoying that right now and they're not gonna have that tomorrow you know and I think that's like a lot of like what is like the downfall of our country is like people who have just so much wealth and still so much sadness Mm -hmm. and like they can't fill up their hearts so now they make it terrible for everybody else and like they're like that's why you do have like the arts and stuff like that so that people who are not of the wealthy class like can enjoy life and like make time pass and like not think about (laughs) bad things and like that is why we love tv and that's why we love movies is like the escapism and like the hope that like a miracle will happen and like stuff in your life will turn around yeah like frogs will fall from the sky (laughs) and that's the thing is like it's so hard to let go of those ideals because sometimes it does right like life is so crazy that sometimes things do happen. I mean, I'm obviously like obsessed with movies and TV and actors and stuff. And I listen to so many podcasts about it. And I feel like 90% of people that are huge celebrities, like they're like, yeah, I, you know, was on my bike and I saw someone, you know, was in a car crash on the side of the road. So I pulled over to help them. And it was uh, Martin Scorsese. And he was like, oh, actually I have a part for you. Like, it's always like, you know what I mean? Like not yeah. literally that, but like, it, it's, it's not like, oh, I, you know, I was always checking um, actors' access, and then I finally got about like it. That does happen to a lot of people, but I feel like the craziest stories are like more common because things, especially in this business, things can just like all of a sudden magically happen, and you never know. That's why you like, yeah. It's just like it's literally like who you know, mm-hmm. and that's like a hidden message in the movie. Yeah. That's why I love <laughs> Sofia Coppola. The Freemason imagery of the ring. <laughs> right. Oh my God. I honestly, like, I know that JFK was a Freemason, but I really want to know how many other presidents actually were Freemasons. I'm very interested in secret society. You should go down to a meeting in Rutherford. I have one on Wednesday. Okay. In Montclair. <laughs> <laughs> I won't disclose the location publicly, but, but yeah, my favorite, um, oh, I was going to say that Sofia Coppola, like, She's always just very honest. She, she'll be like, yeah, I got a, um internship at Chanel because my parents knew them. And I just love that she says that because so many <laughs> kids of famous people are always like, you know, sometimes it's actually harder when you're the child of actors. And I'm like, oh, weren't you just nominated for an Oscar? I'm like, I wasn't recently nominated for an Oscar. So I just feel like there's a difference there. Um, you know what I mean? But she'll, she'll just like own it. And I love that. But um, yeah, what's your favorite? Oh. No, what? I was just going to say, it's definitely, like, the different levels of the club, you know? Yeah. And, like, how long has your family been in the club, kind yeah. of? And, like, what has your family done to get into the club, mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of? Like, were they a CEO? Did they have slaves on a plantation, which put a lot of people into the club, you know? Were they tech billionaires that put them into the club? Like, how did you exploit people to get yourself into the club? Did you go overseas and kill a lot of people and then get to the top of the military <laughs> and then get a government job, like? Right. Yeah. That's why I love Mad Men, too. It's like there's this whole other thing going on underneath his, like, you know, perfect hair and suit. And it's like, 
really fascinated to see how that plays out <laughs> over the show with his like mental state and his kids and all of that. I just love it. Anyway, we do you want me to spoil the final frame? The final frame of of Madman? No. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, or the final episode. <laughs> yeah, there's a smile. It's all over the internet. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, so what's your favorite storyline or character in Magnolia? Um, hmm. I don't know if I have a favorite. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I think... Yeah, I think, like, the Phil Tumor Hoffman one yes. is, like, the one that I identify with most, I feel like. Yes. <laughs> like, I feel like, yeah, I like that one a lot. It's just, like, being around sadness and, like, people wanting you to help them <laughs> and, like, you not being able to help them <laughs> and mm-hmm. stuff like that and wanting to give and, like, fix things. Yeah. He's so, like, I mean, in everything, but he's, like, very wildly, amazingly genius in this movie and that scene um, between him and Julianne Moore when she like says like that she's so fucked up and like she's sorry and everything and he's like crying and it's just so good and and also when he makes that phone call like when he just wants to get the porn magazines but he's like yeah I'll take some um peanut butter and like whatever it's just it's just those little moments that he does he brings so much to whereas another actor would just like do it and it would be adequate and fine but he just creates this whole thing. And I love, I, I love, I think I love like him and Julianne more than most. Like I love the scene where she's like screaming at the doctor and everything. And she's like losing her mind. And she's like, yeah, like I married him for money, whatever. But like now he's dying and like, I do love him. I have to take care of him and I don't know what to do. And like, it's, it's just a really interesting set. And it's an interesting set of characters and scenes. And I really like appreciated this time around watching it, the editing. Like, I think that even though it's long, I think the editing is really good. And I didn't feel the length really as much as I do with some other movies. Right. Yeah. Was it, was that an honorable mention that we just talked about for yeah, <laughs> a long that, time? That was my honorable mention. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah. So I think, I guess I'll go with Atlantics by Maddie. Yeah. I haven't seen that. Uh, it's on Netflix, and it's based off of her short film, I think. Uh, and it's about um, this woman who uh, basically is almost forced to marry somebody who she's not meant to be with. Um, and then she is haunted by it in the community. Is it set, like, in the past? No. It is set currently. Oh no! Yeah, no, it's, it's a foreign <laughs> film. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, wow. I forget exactly where it takes place because I'm a terrible person. No, um, you're mildly bad, not terrible. Yes. Um, I guess I can look at my Google machine. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it sounds interesting though. So it's but it's questionable reality. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, because there's definitely, like, some kind of magic possessing demons, zombies, something going on in this film. Yeah, no, like, people were talking about this film as, like, one of the best, like, foreign films, I think, from two years ago it came out, or last, I don't know if it came out last year or two years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, But she also has a segment on Criterion Channel where you can watch a bunch of the films that uh, she's also done. Um, Cool. Yeah, and it was just a very uh, interesting, 
like I don't want to spoil it too much because like there are probably a lot of people who haven't watched it. I definitely like heard good things about it. Like I think it did well at can. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I kind of held off for a while on watching it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think just like there's definitely like cultural stuff going on and like there's definitely a bigger cultural message about like the area that like I may be missing as right. like an American. And, like, not knowing the full, like, colonial narrative and, like, the narrative of the country mm. uh, that it takes place. But, like, the love story aspect of it and, like, the being haunted by things of your past is, like... Very it, real. Yeah, it stretches across cultures. Like, if you've ever had exes, if you've ever had loves, if you're ever with the wrong... If you feel like you're with the wrong person, like, it's just a story that, like, you see... Uh, Done in a lot of, like, simpler ways, but I thought this was very interesting. This sounds so up my alley. I need also, to watch Also, there's, it. like, a lot of, like, working class stuff also. Right. Yeah, cool. That has to do with, like, the ec- economics Atlanta. of relationships and economics of living. Yeah. Well, thank you for that recommendation. Join me, audience, in Atlantics. watching Atlantics. Yeah. yeah. So... You have another honorable... I think I'm going to do... No, that was my man. I can do another honorable mention later if you want me to, but we could go twos. I have two. I have an honorable mention and then the movie that I'm doing. So first I'll do the honorable mention. It's called Another Woman. It's a Woody Allen movie from the 80s starring Jenna Rollins. Have you seen it? I have not. Okay. So... A lot of people probably know that Woody Allen is obsessed with Bergman. He made a a lot of movies that were kind of like just his version of Bergman movies. And I've seen almost all his movies. I know people hate him. I'm talking strictly about his career, not his personal life here. I know some people can't separate that. If you can't, I apologize and you can skip this. But I love his movies separate from all that. And, um... This was one of the only movies of his I had never seen, and I watched it during quarantine. I actually watched it because I was in a Jenna Rollins mood because I watched A Woman Under the Influence, which we'll be talking about later. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And then I was like, oh, I need more Jenna Rollins. Like, what should I watch? And I'm like, oh, she was in a Woody Allen movie. Oh, my God. I turn it on. It's called Another Woman, and it's about this woman who... Um, overhears in the next apartment someone's therapy session and it basically like I don't even want to give anything like you should just watch it it's so good but she basically ends up like on this journey through her own life and the way that they the way that he frames it like it involves theater too like she almost like she sees scenes from her past as if they were performed by um like a theater company and so it's like obviously that's not like she, like she like at some point like this is set in New York and she like wa- she's walking around and she walks into like a theater and it's like a scene from her life that they're just doing on the stage so it's it starts like oh she's just walking around New York oh, this is normal it's not um you know, it's not an altered reality or anything like that. And then she walks in and it's a scene from her life. And like, there's so many really, really good scenes in it. There's like so many honest scenes. Like it kind of reminds me of, I'm thinking of ending things in that, like what Kaufman did in that movie is with some of the conversations, like people say things that are impolite. Like they say things that they wouldn't normally say and they get into it. Whereas in real life, we were just talking about this, how everyone has this like perfect veneer and if there's something awkward like if there's two best friends and 
um, one of them has a husband and the one who has the husband feels like the husband has always kind of had a thing for her friend. She's not going to say it. It's just there. But like in this movie, her friend like goes off because, um, her, because Jenna Rollins and like her husband are like getting along really well. And they're just like, they're just like clicking and talking really fast to each other and stuff. And she gets really mad about it and like just puts it all out on the table and things like that. And it's just, I was so completely taken by this movie. Like I was like just in love with the way that it handled like your identity and your life and having regrets and being lonely and all of that. So that's my honorable mention. Nice. Do you want to do another one of yours? No, you could, you could go. You could just keep going. Okay. So my movie, my, my pick, which has had to be my pick because it's in my top my top five or ten movies of all time. I don't know. It's hard for me to... I always shuffle them around. But it's Vanilla Sky. Have you seen that? I have not. Oh, my God, Jordan. I know, I know, I know. I've <laughs> no, been told really by Rhea to. also that I need to watch it. Rhea loves it? Uh, oh. She just told me that I would like it. Yeah, yeah I'm going to start dating her. Sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, okay. So, this movie, I've been watching for like 10 years and it gets better every time I like every time I watch it I'm like amazed all over again so it actually has Tom Cruise in what I think is his best performance ever like hands down it's unreal amazing performance from him and I wish he I mean he's great as the action star that he is whatever but I just wish he would stop jumping off of trucks onto other trucks and do more movies like this because he plays this um this uh, heir to a magazine, I think it is. Um, he's a trust fund baby, and so he's, like, in his 30s at the point when the movie starts. And he just has everything handed to him, and he doesn't really, like, it's not it's not good. Like, he just doesn't, he's kind of lost. And um, it opens with him. There's, like, a voice that says, open your eyes, and then it's, like, a close-up of his eye-opening. And it's based on a movie called Abre Las Ojos, which means open your eyes in Spanish or maybe Portuguese. I'm sorry if I'm mixing that up. And Penelope Cruz starred in the movie um, in the foreign film. And then Cameron Crowe, who was on a huge winning streak because he had just done Jerry Maguire, then Almost Famous. This was his um, oh. the movie he did after that. He worked with Penelope and she starred in this movie as well as the same character. So she reprised her role in English and, you know, you see him wake up and he has everything. He has this beautiful, beautiful apartment on Central Park West. I actually think it's in the Dakota and he has a beautiful woman in his bed. It's Cameron Diaz. And right away you see that there's some weird dynamic between them. Like she is very much in love and obsessed with him. And he certainly likes her, but it's not like, oh, I love this woman. I'm going to marry this woman. <laughs> and you can already see she's a little weird, whatever. But, you know, and then you see him go to work and he is driving from... Central Park West down to like the Times Square area and you see him looking around and it's weird because he's not seeing anybody on the street but he's like okay like whatever and then he gets closer and closer to Times Square and then finally he's in Times Square and there's nobody like he's completely alone and they actually closed Times Square to do this scene it's real it's not CGI they really had Times Square with no people and Tom Cruise just running around like what the fuck is going on and so right there the kind of 
is this real what's happening thing starts, but it goes so far beyond that. And basically what happens next is he um, has a party at his house. He doesn't invite the Cameron Diaz character, Julie, because he's one of many women. She's one of many women that he's seeing. And he thought she knew that and that 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 was okay. And um, she shows up anyway. And then his friend, played by Jason Lee, um, brings Penelope Cruz as his date. But Penelope and Tom end up connecting in this like magical way. Like it's one of those people, like two people just meet and all of a sudden it's like, you know it, they know it, like something's going to happen and there's just a connection. And he falls like completely in love with her. And then he unfortunately gets into a really bad car accident, which is also an amazing scene. It's him and Cameron Diaz in the car and it's crazy scene, but wonderful. And his face is completely distorted and destroyed and he needs to wear a mask. And it's obviously, I mean, Tom Cruise is probably thought of as like one of the most handsome movie stars ever. So it's really jarring to see him that way because they show the, um, you know, the destruction. Um, and he then has to live his life in this weird way because he doesn't have his looks anymore. And he also is taking all this medication. And so then that kind of compounds onto like, well, what is really real? And at some point in the movie, like things just get weirder and weirder. And then he starts like, well, I don't want to give it away, but you eventually do find out. Yeah, that there's I've been looking like, down at my phone so that I don't get spoiled. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, go for it. That's, that's perfect. I love that you did that. Because um, <laughs> it's on Tubi for free and Amazon Prime. Ooh. So I'm probably going to watch that when I get home tonight from producing another podcast. Yes. So there's, I think that, I, I mean, I think most people think Penelope Cruz is a great actress, but I think this movie also is her, by far her best performance. And I think it's one of the best performances in movie history, actually. Like, I cannot stress how perfect she does this. I really can't. And um, the ending, which I won't spoil any of it, of course, but like the last 20 minutes of the movie completely take my breath away every single time. It's so, it's insanely romantic. It's it's so indicative of life and how precious it is and how important it is to live an authentic life and not to do things that are maybe approved by society and not, you know, you have to face things like you can't just go through life without dealing with things, which is probably what he was doing before because he was so rich and didn't really have to fight for anything or, you know, work that hard to get what he gets. And there's this one scene, again, I won't explain what is actually happening, but anyone who knows it will know what I'm talking about. Like Penelope Cruz at the end of the movie, like she walks into this room and I won't say what's going on. She's wearing like the brown coat and her face in that like span of a minute, I think is like one of the best minutes of acting in history. Like I think she should have won an Oscar for it, for that one scene she just you see everything on her face and at that point like what's going on in the room and what's happened is so complex and the fact that she was able to portray like oh my god like longing and devastation and joy and fear and like every major emotion that a human being has you see on her face in the span of maybe like 30 seconds to a minute and they also play this song called ladies and gentlemen we are floating in space by spiritualized which is such a cool song 
And it just, Cameron Crowe is a master at pairing music with a scene. And it's just, you see, and like even the way that like Jason Lee looks at her in the scene, it's a perfect scene and it is the perfect way to end the movie. And it just gets me every time. And every single time I see it, I am more and more obsessed with it. So I think everybody in the world should watch it. And it's because it's like, it is what is reality. and it, But it's nowhere near as like challenging or confusing as I'm thinking of ending things. Like it's much more of a, like it's much more of a Hollywood movie, I guess. Um, and I think pr maybe that's why like people sometimes, like people that are into indie movies and stuff, they would, they just think it's like, this Tom Cruise movie or whatever, because the poster is just like his face, <laughs> um, which is which is weird. Like I get that they were trying to sell the movie based on him, but there's so much more to the movie, and yeah, it's just one of my all-time favorites. Nice. Yeah. I am definitely going to watch it later. You have to. Oh my god! And then we we need to talk about it. Yes. Uh, awesome. Yeah. Wow. It's so wild. altered realities. Mm -hmm. And so many other, like, there's amazing supporting, like, small performances in this. Like, Tilda Swinton is in it. Timothy Spall, Noah Taylor. Kurt Russell has a great part. It's just phenomenal. Nice. Yeah. Uh, so I guess I'll just say my other uh, quick uh, honorable mentions. I think I talked about this on the Sundance episode, but We Are Little Zombies. Okay. It's a foreign film that's kind of hard to find. Uh by Makuto Nagahisa. Uh, and we saw that at Sundance and it was very interesting and I highly recommend people look it up and try to find it on the internet because if you do, you're in for a treat. Mm -hmm. uh, also, Melancholia. Do you like Ooh, Melancholia? Yes, I love it. Yeah, that's also another one of my faves. Um, I was just thinking about that movie on the way here, so synchronicity. Yes, um, as we're watching the sun. Mm -hmm. destroy us envelop yes. us burn us <laughs> yes uh, have you seen The Art of Self-Defense no is the that Jesse Justin Eisenberg? Eisenberg yeah we watched that over quarantine also mm -hmm. uh, and I highly recommend people watch that because it'll definitely like blow your mind a little bit like you definitely think it's going one way but like I definitely recommend watching it all the way to the end because I think it like has a good I think it talks about a lot of concepts of, like, violence in a way that we don't really talk about violence. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and in general, it's the film is very symbolic, I think, of where we are <laughs> in society right now. Yeah, I want to see it. I love Jesse Eisenberg. Like, he's so talented, but also, every time he has a movie out, I whether I see the movie or not, I always listen to, like, his press interviews because he's so interesting. <laughs> like, he's weird and funny and cool and insightful and smart. Like, I just, like, he's I totally... I feel the exact opposite. What? And, like, hate his interview. <laughs> no. Are you... Do you feel that way? I don't know. I don't know if I've watched... I've definitely watched some interviews where he is a complete asshole. Really? Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, I recently heard him on Conan O'Brien's podcast, and I was like, this just cements how much I completely love him. Like, don't get me wrong, like, people have definitely heard me out of context and thought I was an asshole, and people hear me in context and think I'm an asshole. Maybe. So I guess I shouldn't judge Jesse Eisenberg for being an asshole. Maybe he just played one in the movies. Wait, I'm gonna look up his sign. Because maybe it's because I'm an Aries that, like, if he says things that are blunt and assholey, I don't notice that. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, yeah, but no, the film is really good. Uh, I think it's definitely some of Jesse Eisenberg's great late work. Yeah. Libra. I'm always attracted to Libras or Scorpios. I knew it. <laughs> ah, okay. Sorry, I interrupted you. <laughs> no, you're good. And then I was just going to say my last honorable mention so that we could get to the main event. Um, I was going to say um, Alps by Yorgos Lanthimos. Oh, it's kind of it. altered reality. Like it, the, the film definitely, like I feel like most of his films kind of exist in like a different world, even though they are in like, a normal world, but then there's one thing that's different, like mm-hmm. very much altered reality, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this one specifically is like about uh, this company that like replaces people who've died for people. Ooh, like yeah. a husband or something. Yeah. Wow. But like they go through it's it's very you get, like it's very weird. It's very Yorgos. Um, mm-hmm. And we went on our Yorgos binge at the beginning when we got the Criterion collection. So we figured, why not? Yeah, watch all of his weird-ass films. Mm -hmm. Inspire us. The Greek freak-ish Kubrick. (laughs) Greek freak-ish Kubrick. (laughs) Yeah, he's very odd. Actually, I've been meaning to watch 2001. I feel like that's a good movie for this year. Yeah. I haven't seen in a while. Mm. I hope there's, like... It is kind of sad that the future isn't like what they predicted. It's kind of sad. It's kind of sad, period. I like, <laughs> The thing is, like, people keep saying, like, oh, 2020, and I'm like, 2021 is going to also suck. Like, the virus isn't going away on December 31st, so. I mean, I hope that all the conspiracy theorists are right and that it goes away right after the election. I would love that. I'm done with it. <laughs> <laughs> that's, I'm like I can't do this anymore <laughs> <sighs> alright so we may take a quick break we probably won't cause now I just record straight through okay. cause there's a new update on the recording device cool um, yeah so I'm thinking of ending things yeah <laughs> time, to, time to talk Jordan, about it. this is our last podcast sorry Aw, that's so sad yeah uh, it was a good run, folks. Thank you for listening intermittently. <laughs> <laughs> right. Thanks for holding on. It's a roller coaster. When will they update? When or when will they record? We don't know. Um, I actually know some guy who's doing like an independent Netflix. So maybe our podcast can like work hand in hand with them, and we could like review a bunch of films from there. Yeah, let's do um, it. I'm down. I don't know. Yeah, I'll see where that process is going. So should we do the old format of? Spoiler-free opinions, and then yes. get into spoilers. Okay, so first... Uh, mm, it's a Netflix movie. You know, like, if you didn't watch the Netflix movie before coming to the podcast, like, what what are you doing? Okay, so we're just going to do full-out spoilers. No, I don't think we should do full-out spoilers, <laughs> but, like... <laughs> okay. But also, like, don't don't be surprised if something slips that, like, screws right. you up. But also, like, you kind of want to listen to us talk about the entire film and give you spoilers beforehand so that you actually understand it when you watch it. I think I'm gonna just give kind of like a general opinion of it and then get into spoilers if you want to join me in that. That sounds good. Sorry, I just stopped myself from sneezing. Oh, you didn't have to do that. You can openly sneeze. I just like, I don't believe in sneezing anymore. Okay. I just try to not do it and keep all of the germs inside of me just in case I am infected with COVID. It's right. like my responsibility to never sneeze ever again. What a great person. <laughs> wow. Okay. 
So I talked about in our last podcast how much I love Charlie Kaufman. So this movie for me was like very big. I was like so excited to watch it. And I was a little nervous though because I didn't like Anomalisa, which is which was his last movie. But I would say when I first watched it, I liked it, didn't love it. And then up, up on... Uh, Upon, I just said upon instead of upon. Um, <laughs> anyway, upon subsequent viewings, which I've now watched it like two and a half times, I. Um, Is upon a contraction? No. Upon. Once upon a time. If time. I found myself, I find myself making these little like brain farts. Like yesterday I wrote sentence with a C. Sentence, like sense. Oh, like the first C. <laughs> like what? Yeah. I, I I don't know. So my brain is, my brain is fried. Anyway, so, um, I, I appreciated it so much more after I was able to like, not be wondering every second what is going on, what's gonna happen, like what you know, what is reality, what's going on. Like once I knew the ending and everything, watching it this the second time was so satisfying, and then. The third time I watched it, like, before we did this, I just, like, watched some of my favorite scenes again. And I, like, love it even more. So I'm looking forward to, like, having a good night, maybe, like, in a week or something where I just, like, shut everything off and put my phone away and watch it another time. Because I really do, like, I love all the little moments of it and I love the weirdness of it. And I, I, my favorite thing, though, is probably, like, the performances. I was actually disappointed the first time I watched it that there wasn't more of the parents because they're just so good and, you know, you don't know what's going to happen next. You don't know what ages are going to be. You don't know what mood they're going to be in and all of that kind of stuff. And I love their performances. But I also think Jesse Buckley and Jesse Plemons are so good together and they really sell this whole, like, strange situation. I actually, I mean, Jesse Plemons, I feel like for all of us who watched Breaking Bad back in the day, like, we've known since then, like, this is a thing. Uh, no. We've known since Friday Night Lights when he was in Crucifictorious. (laughs) That is when we knew that he was the best actor of our times. Okay, I don't mean to offend Friday Night Lights fans. I haven't watched it. Okay, well... Jesse Plemons in Friday Night Lights is one of the greatest characters. Really? Yeah, he's like the answer to toxic masculinity in the show. Like he's very much like the quarterback's friend who's like... Yeah, you you just have to be sensitive. Like I love I, I, that. I'm just a nerd and I want to play football. Like, don't, why don't people get this about me? Like, I'm always in your shadow. Like, that's like very much the character he plays in Friday Night Lights. Yeah, he's a oh. great character. Yeah, he's one of the least problematic characters too. Yeah. What a difference. Oh us. wait, no, but well, no, you have to watch it. I shouldn't have said the least problematic thing because okay. I forgot that there are other storylines that I forgot about with him. Also, like given our our current climate, I'm pretty sure Landry's dad is a police officer. Also, and yes, your parent is also a police officer formerly, but like he, there's a storyline about his father being a police officer that is very um, not what you'd think, but it's also very interesting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Um, so, but you love that show. Oh, yeah, that was, like, I think that's one of the best shows, like, that they've ever let be on, like, two, four, or seven. <laughs> like, okay. Like, I think definitely that's up there. Like, that was one of the best things they could do. And, like, a lot of things were, I feel like, not compromising at the time. Like, they had a good abortion episode, I feel like. Like, they had a lot of, like, 
episodes that it would like it never felt cheesy but maybe i was a kid and didn't understand mm-hmm. you know? i hear so many good things about it i've just never actually sat down and watched it but you look at it and you think this is probably the best thing that uh fuck who's the guy who produced it um now he just does all war propaganda um what's his name peter berg like, oh. it's, like, the best thing Peterberg has done. Now Peterberg just does war propaganda. Wow. And, like, is a filmer of the right <laughs> in a lot of ways. Okay. Go yeah. off, Peterberg, I guess. Um. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, it's very cool. Uh, it says a lot about football. And also, like, if football isn't going to exist in the future, which, like, it probably won't exist. Like, there probably will be a day when football does not exist. Like, it's a very good uh take of football when football was still the most popular sport in america which like now i'd say the nba is probably just far and above the most popular sport in america fuck yeah well the nba is the most popular in the world right like on a global scale i guess so yeah i've heard that i'm not 100 percent sure. maybe that's more the answer yeah the nba is globally popular and also popular in america but football is now getting passed probably by the nba so, Jesse Plemons. Jesse Plemons, wow. Um, <laughs> but I, it's also, he's great in The Master. He's awesome in The Master, and he honestly like looks like he could be Philip Seymour Hoffman's son. So I think that's interesting. Which, by the way, Philip Seymour Hoffman's real son, Cooper, is or Connor. I can't. Um, it's probably. I can't remember, but he's going to be in the new Paul Thomas Anderson movie. What? Really? Yes, I'm so excited. I mean, no pressure. I'm sure he's like what the fuck I'm how can I like be as good as my dad but I'm so excited that also like sucks though if Philip Seymour Hoffman is your dad because like if you go into acting after that same with like Denzel Washington like people look to them and they're like those are the people you want to act like you know like those yeah. are the actors so like everybody is trying to copy your parents so you don't even get to steal their trade <laughs> and be like oh I'm gonna steal tricks from them like they're gonna give me advice like no everybody already knows everything that they know because They've been great people and we're like, oh, go check out Boogie Nights and see this. Go check out Synecdoche, New York, which I just watched uh, oh, again. Yes. Yeah. So Jesse Buckley, too, like when I turned. So I saw Wild Rose. That's what it's called, right? Wild Rose, the movie she was in. I don't know. I've never seen her before in a movie, I don't think. OK, so she, I was very shocked by how great she was. Yes. So I watched I saw Wild Rose at the Arclight last not the Arclight. That's L.A. What am I thinking of? Angelica. I saw it at the Angelica last year. And it's it's I I, I thought the movie was but she was amazing in it. And it took me. I watched all of I'm Thinking of Ending Things, and I was like, wow, this girl's amazing. I've never seen her in a movie before. And then I Googled her, and I was like, that's the girl from Wild Rose, or whatever it's called. Like, I can't, I couldn't believe it was the same person. That's never happened to me before, where <laughs> I didn't recognize an actress I had seen star in a movie. Like, the performances are so wildly different, and I was just so impressed. When I, when I realized that was her, I was like, no fucking way. Like... Wow, I'm. She's definitely going to be one of those actresses that I now am looking out for, and will just be interested no matter what they do. And um, yeah, so the four main performances, I just really loved, and I could watch like all of the little moments of acting there. Like I could just watch over and over. Um, so, what was your like overall no spoilery opinion? Um, after the first watch. 
I mildly liked it. And then, like, I think after I thought about it a lot and, like, watched it a second time, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, and that was the extent that I watched it and gave time to it. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I think in general there were a lot of themes that, like, early in the film I was like, oh, wow, this is where this film is going. And then you quickly find out that that is not at all what this is. Like, you think from the beginning you think this is going to be, like, a relationship film. Then you think it's going to be a film about, like parents and like your family and then you're just like oh it's just like about life (laughs) like massive eye roll through the back of my head but like (laughs) no but like it definitely was like charlie kaufman-esque like i do understand how he could kind of be like yes like if i died tomorrow this is my last work kind of a thing well i do think as much as i adore him i do think that he's kind of treading over similar ground that he's already treaded over and I think he could probably do something else and do it really brilliantly so that was kind of disappointing for me and I don't know we can get more into it with spoilers because it's obviously complicated yeah let's spoilers 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 um I when you say that he could have done like he I feel like he definitely, though, touched on a lot of, like, feelings of 2020. Like, not COVID feelings, but, like, tech feelings. And, like, feeling detached from people feelings. Mm -hmm. And, like, not really remembering shit because we have so many pharmaceuticals and we watch so many screens that, like, we can't remember anything and we have no uh, sense of... uh, focus (laughs) you know I think that was what the film did best was like the fact that it like showed what it's like to be in 2020 and nobody can focus on shit and like this is how making a movie has to be in order for people to be like paying attention to it is like you literally have to make it too cryptic and weird that like somebody will pay attention to it and like look up and be like why is somebody dancing around on screen I I don't remember why this happened now I'm gonna have to rewind the whole film and figure out how this happened (laughs) When, like, realistically, it's legit something that, like, if you look down for a minute and then you look back up, it is kind of random. But also, that's kind of what life is. This is why I love you, because, like, I did not think about that at all when I watched the movie. But now that you're saying it, I'm like, wow. (laughs) Yeah, it's literally a Netflix film where if you fall asleep on it, you wake up and, like, you're watching people dancing. You're watching some guy on stage. Like, it's literally a movie for some old man who's watching Netflix at home and, like, his life is behind him. And he's like, uh, I shouldn't have drank that third whiskey. <laughs> yeah, thank you. No, that's a good perspective to point out. I didn't even think of that. But I do think a lot about... I, I think that I make a lot of decisions based on... And I've thought about this since I was a little kid. Because when I was a child, there were a lot of people that died in my family. Because my family like has a lot of like drug and alcohol addiction and cancer and heart disease, like all at the same time. So there were like, there was like sat very sadly. I'm, I'm laughing about it as a defense mechanism, but, um, very sadly, like there was like death after death, after death, after death. And I think that caused me as a child very early on to have like a better perspective on death than a lot of my friends did. Cause then like, you know, I had already been to like 10 funerals and my friend's grandpa died and she like couldn't handle it and was like destroyed. And I was like, yeah, like this is what happens. And so I think that I kind of make decisions based on like, well, if I'm on my deathbed and I'm like 90, like, what am I going to think about this right now? Like, am I going to be like, oh, you know, I 
damn it, wish I had saved more money. No. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's not how I think. And, um... I do know a lot, of, I, like, I do know a lot of people that are very pragmatic and are very proud because they've saved, like, a certain amount of money over the past, like, 10 years or whatever, and I love that, and I'm just, like, I, like, that's awesome, but I just can't, like, I'm not that kind of person, and I guess because I knew a lot of people that died young, um, you know, like, my one cousin, he died when he was, like, 21, my other cousin died when she was 40, my aunt died when she was 46, like, I just saw a lot of things happen, and when my aunt died... It wasn't, like, a ton of money, but, like, because we, like, the family, I think it was, like, eight people or something that split this, like, sum of money that she left to us, and it was, like, I, like, it was nice, I guess, to have money at the time. Like, my other aunt used it to get married. She had, like, like this nice wedding and everything, but I just was, like, damn, you know, like, she went on one vacation a year. She worked, like, every other day, and, you know she died with like all this money in her account and why like I just you know and especially with COVID I feel like it's only kind of validated my life because I'm like wow I went to so many concerts right before this and I went on a lot of trips right before this and like I saw a lot of things and I did a lot of things and I was like very alive not to be cheesy but I was like always doing a lot and when COVID hit, like, there are so many people that don't have a future because all of a sudden they got hit by this virus and then they passed away and not just old people, um, you know, a lot of younger people. And I can't even imagine, like, I felt like my life was taken away because I was in quarantine and I couldn't do anything, but people actually were just like living (laughs) and they thought they had a cough or a cold and then they died from it. And it's like, if I had been in the hospital in March or whatever, you know, would I be like thinking, oh, I hope, I wish I saved money or I wish I, you know, whatever. No, I would probably be laying there thinking like, I'm so happy I went to all those concerts and I'm so happy I did all those things. And you know what I mean? Like, so I think a lot about like people like this janitor in the movie. And I guess like it's Jesse Plemons playing the younger version that are old and they just they realize like, I did screw it up. Like, I didn't live the way I wanted. I didn't have what I wanted. And now it's over. Like, I can't imagine being, like, obviously we're young, but even like, if we were like 50, I feel like a 50 year old can still like, turn it around or like, decide to get into a different like career path or like, find, you know, someone to be with if that's a goal or, you know, have like a family or whatever. But once you get up there to this age, like, I feel like that this movie really kind of, like, hammered that home is, like, you need to seize the day. And, like, that's, I know it's cheesy, but, like, you don't want to be this janitor, like, having this deluded fantasy about what could have happened with this girl or, you know, whatever. Like, it's just so sad to think about. And I'm sure, like, there are so many, there's probably more people like that than people that are, like, wow, I live the way I wanted to live and I'm happy with that and I'm dying and it's okay. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I think, like, a lot of Kaufman's films have a lot to do with, like, this idea that has taken over a lot of, like, movies in general because movies are catered to, like, teenage boys in a lot of ways. It's just, like, this idea that, like, 
oh my gosh, like I, I didn't have as good of a high school life as I wanted to. I was the loser. And like mm-hmm. my life was never as good as it could have been because I was the loser. Mm-hmm. And like, I feel like that is kind of a common narrative of a lot of his films is just like this idea that like, oh, I could have done the good thing, but I, I just sat back and like watched my life get taken over by somebody else. Or like, mm-hmm. I didn't take control of this while everybody else was telling me like, to do this and do that but I didn't do my own things and be my own person Mm -hmm. and like all that stuff and I think like I agree so much with you and like what you said about like the death at a young age it's like yeah like once you see somebody close to you die then you're just like oh okay well why wouldn't you do whatever you want to do I don't understand like unless like I always say like do whatever you want in life as long as you're not hurting anybody especially yourself but obviously everyone else too like just do whatever you want like I don't understand why so many people are so hung up like I do understand it it's like societal pressure family you know fear I get it but at the same time I feel like even though it was horrible to lose people in my family at a young age I just like right away before I even knew what I was feeling I I already knew like okay like there's one shot at this. It could end any time. And, you know, I'm a spiritual and stuff. I understand. Like, I'm not just like, I'm not like an atheist where I'm like, oh, there's like nothing after this. Like, I do think that there's something after this. But as far as like this life, I just feel like, you know, not not being able to enjoy the time that you're here is kind of like if you went to a party and you were like, well, this is going to end in a few hours. So that sucks and I'm just not going to participate and I'm not going to do what I want. It's like, enjoy it while it lasts. And then hopefully at the end of it, you are left with good memories and a good feeling. And you're not just sitting there like, Oh my God, I wasted this. Yeah. I think a lot of life comes down to comparing yourself to others. When Mm -hmm. like, like even the, the scene in the movie where it's like going to the ice cream place like, the reason why the ice cream place is significant isn't because of, like, getting ice cream. The ice cream place is, like, significant because all the girls that he wanted to sleep with were there. <laughs> like, oh all the gosh. girls he wanted to date were there, and they all made fun of him, and they all thought he was weird. Or that's how he perceived it. And it's like, in reality, those girls probably didn't give a shit about him and probably weren't thinking about him whatsoever. But it's just, mm-hmm. like, the ego of a man, and, like, especially a man of that, like, generation specifically, <laughs> to think, like, everything revolves around them and, like, oh, look there's the person who works uh mowing the lawn over there they work for me cool like oh look the guy delivering my paper hey paper guy like just like this kind of like uh idea that like i think especially like in since tv happened where it's like oh if you're like the head of the household like life kind of revolves around you and like people kind of just do all of your bidding and like you go to work you hate the boss and then you come home and then people work for you when you come home like i feel like that's very much a mentality that a lot of people who are like Older than Charlie Kaufman, but, like, definitely people he's trying to kind of put the pulse on for, like, his representation of this novel, I think. Mm -hmm. And, yeah. I would love to hear more thoughts about the Tulsi Town scene because I love that scene so much. I can't even tell you. And actually, everything that happens, like, involving, like, the, the, the birds, which I guess is their version of the blizzard from... Oh, yeah. From Dairy Queen. Uh, that scene to me... Ugh. I just think it's so, it's very haunting and strange. And I also, I mean, I think most people have 
Like, I love that this involved high school because I just feel like high school is so huge. Like, it's just, it affects the rest of your life. And I think especially, like, for me, when I, this is so funny and kind of sad, but when I was growing up, like, I always liked older guys. So, like, if my, if I was over my friend's house and her, like, older brother was, like, home from college, I would be like, oh, my God, like, whatever. Like, he's so cute. And I didn't like guys that were, like, my own age. But, um, and so, like, when I was going into high school, like, I was like, oh, my gosh, like, there's going to be boys that are, like, two years older than me, three years older than me, four years older than me. And like, I'll finally be able to find like a boyfriend and it'll be so great because I don't like guys that from like seventh and eighth grade, you know? And I literally thought it was going to be like a John Hughes movie. Like I love <laughs> No, I seriously, like I thought that I was going to walk in and there was going to be some guy like gorgeous and who just got me and whatever. And you know, like all of that, like I seriously, I mean, I knew that it wasn't going to be like a fantasy, but I don't know. I just thought like, based on these movies, I had like all these expectations and I got to high school and I was like, Oh, this is exactly the same as eighth grade. It's just in a new building <laughs> and like nothing has changed. And I'm still like not cool here. And like, you know, I like planned out my like outfit to wear and I was so excited. I was like, I'm finally going to be like, you know, I'm going to meet people who like understand me and I'm going to like come into my like moment and everything. And that totally did not happen. And like, I had been really bullied before. So I guess I thought that I, when I got to high school, I would like have it together. Like I thought I was going to be like, you know, share from clueless or like another iconic, like teenager or something like that and it did not happen and I think like this guy too you know he probably had certain expectations like that he was going to be able to get a certain girlfriend or like have certain friends or something and it it never happened and now he's this old and he's still thinking about it like it's it's so sad like you know I just I think that high school is so painfully major and depending on what happens to you then it affects your entire life. Oh, 100%. <laughs> like that's the last thing before you become like a full adult. So like it's literally a bunch of people who might have had a very traumatic 4 years of their life and then they're mm -hmm. adults and they're and it's like go off. Go do your thing. Be a person. Like sh show the world who you are like after you're like so insecure about yourself. And, like, honestly, like, I think that's why, like, a lot of people, like, try to go far for college if they can or try to go to college and try to redefine themselves because it's yeah. just, like, why would I want to live with this for the rest of my life? Like, I think that's one of the things that, like, helped me, like, emotionally the most was, like, to leave my hometown for college and go very far, which, like, I was very lucky to be able to do that and, like, get into a school there and, like, my parents were able to help me go down there and stuff like that, but, like just to be able to leave like a place of people judging me for things that I shouldn't be judged for. like yeah. just for who I am when I was like, you shouldn't be judged for who you are as you're figuring out who you are. You know, it's like the final product. And like, if you're in a small town, like people are aware of you so long before you're actually who you are mm -hmm. and like have their notions of you so long before who you are. Like their notions are based off of who your parents are. Their notions are based off of your race, your religion, your social class. And it's like to have that like in the back of your head at all times, 
which like that doesn't disappear the judging people but it's like if you're older you at least have more control over it and agency and like know how to deal with it because you've dealt with it in the past well you can recreate yourself in college you know there's no witnesses to be like oh that person's a loser (laughs) or like that person (laughs) is not in the cool crowd or whatever it's like you go there and there's a whole new set of people and you're more focused because hopefully like I mean I know a lot of people don't and they don't know what they want to do but like hopefully you kind of have an idea of what you want to do and you have a major and you're like kind of just ready to have that college experience whatever that ends up being and it it's so freeing to not be with like I I didn't go to college like first of all I only went to one year of high school and I got my GED um but I didn't go to college like right when I was 18 either so when I went to college like I was like so weird all the people that I went to school with before like don't even matter in my life except for like the four friends that I still like love like all those people are not even like I saw them every day and like I was you know some of them were really nice and some of them were horrible and some of them like made my life hell and some of them were whatever but like now they're not even relevant at all like it's so funny that every day you're with these people and then it feels so big and then you leave and it's just like oh okay they like they don't not that they don't matter as human beings, but they don't matter in my life, you know? Yeah. I, <laughs> I think, like, a lot of COVID has also been me, like, taking a step back from my life and being like, oh, wow. Like, I legit, like, if I look back to, like, six years ago, seven years ago, eight years ago, nine years ago, 15 years ago, like, I have everything that I could have wanted. Yeah. Like, oh, you don't live with your parents anymore? And it's like, oh, yeah, that's just enough. Like, it's like, it's like little things like that, where I was just like, man, it just sucks to like live with my parents. Like I never talk to girls. Like I never do this. I never do that. Like I don't have my own life. I can't do this. And it's like, oh, I've like worked really hard to like get out of that situation. But like, I could always like think about worse things, you know? And I think a lot of people do like always push it farther. Like I could be like, oh, I don't have like a really legit job. Like people have like, oh, I haven't like paid off this or paid off that That's like I have dad, yeah and it's like the the socializing that's like put into scaring you into taking out loans and like settling down and having a family because that means you take out more loans and like getting a four-year degree because that means taking out more loans mm-hmm. and like anything that just takes out money from the bank that you have to pay back in more <laughs> in the future like everything in our economy is like built around hey, you should try for stability and buy as much as possible, which like don't go hand in hand either. Like if you buy tons of stuff, then like you can't also have money and stability. Like if you buy a bunch of stuff, then you're constantly working or you're broke. And it's like, I would much rather be somebody who like never has any money, but's always able to hang out with people and like make sure I'm there for them and like spend money when I need to, like in emergencies. Right. But it's tough because people want that security also. And that's like why people like your aunt save that money up probably because she's like, I don't ever want to be in a situation where I don't have enough money for whatever I need, you know? And And it's like, that's why you work and build it up is so that like, if somebody comes to your house and like murders your entire family, you can be like, well, at least I have this money to go start a new life. (laughs) Yeah. And also like, I do think about it because I don't have a job now I mean maybe I'll get one in the future I hope not um but I don't have a job now that's gonna like provide me social security when I'm old so it's like I have to figure that out in the next like 20 years like 
it, like, what am I going to do when I'm old for money? Like, do, like I'm going to need to start saving money for that if I don't have, like, social security or from another job or something. So it's like, I don't know. Like, hopefully I'll just be, I mean, me and you are going to be very extremely wildly successful, so we're not going to have to worry about it. But it's still, <laughs> I still think about it, you know? Well, luckily those things weren't really promised to us because, like, since 08, it was basically like, <laughs> have fun getting a job ever. <laughs> you guys want a job, you fucking millennials? <laughs> Peace. <laughs> Deuces. We're still fucked up from 9-11. <laughs> oh, my God. I know. And that's kind of been it, is, like, the older generations have kind of fended for themselves because they're, like, we're damaged from terrorists and, like, we can't function as human beings. And, like, you have old men who just stare at TV screens all night and just, like, are like, ah, the, the liberals, ah, my brain's going to explode. Why didn't that girl sleep with me one time? And, like, it's just... <laughs> there are a lot of people I feel like that are messed up based on whether or not they could get a girlfriend or boyfriend at a certain time. <laughs> and, and you know, I hate the whole, like, that person's out of that person's league thing. I feel like I grew up hearing that all the time. Like, people had to be in each other's, like, leagues to date. That's so problematic. <laughs> it's the most ridiculous <laughs> thing on planet Earth. But it's so prominent and i still hear stuff like that all the time like so what are you saying you're saying that somebody's ugly or you're saying that somebody's too poor or you're saying that somebody's right. <laughs> too unintelligent what, what is the thing that you're negging somebody with <laughs> like just... yeah i feel like also like if someone an acquaintance or like maybe a family member that i'm not that close with like gets a new boyfriend or um is engaged or something like, people will be like, well, he graduated from BU, and he's a doctor, and he owns a home. And I'm like, okay, what is he like as a human being? Like, I just – because when, when people talk like that, it sounds like they bought something, right? Like, oh, well, you know, this washing machine uses less energy than others, and it was a reasonable price, and it makes your whites even whiter. Like, like that, you know what I mean? And it's like, this is a person that you choose to spend the rest of your life with, and you shouldn't define it based on, like, their accomplishments. I mean, yeah, that's a good thing, but I would rather have, like, someone who's broke as a joke and is, like, a true blue person than someone who has everything that we're supposed to want um, and will give me security and stability and all that shit. Um, but it's like cheating on me. Right. Because isn't that always what's happening? Like every time it seems like someone has a perfect relationship, it's like they're someone's cheating or there's something fucked up or one of them stole money from the other one, but they're still trying to make it work or something crazy. Like it just goes back to what we were talking about. Like nothing is what it seems. Nothing is what it actually looks like. Yeah. And I think like a lot of, uh, relationships in general, uh yeah i agree relationships are so weird <laughs> and this yeah. very much represents that it represents it in very charlie kaufman-esque interesting ways but um i think also like one of the big things that he probably took more than the book like i didn't read the book mm -hmm. but like i feel like one of the overtones was definitely like generational differences like that image of him like watching tv screens is like that very much burns in my head of like an old man watching a TV. Because, mm -hmm. like, even as like somebody who's delivered DoorDash, even as somebody who has done princess parties with you, like, we are invited into older people's houses and like to watch the Fox News on the TV, to come in and watch CNN blasting on the TV, regardless of what it is. And just being like having your attention span slowly being 
desecrated. Mm-hmm. Like the same way I go on Twitter all day and like my attention span is getting yeah. uh I do too. Taken away and like things don't hold my attention as much because I'm just like I want the Twitter version. Like I want to move on to the next thing. Yeah, like I'm getting all my news. Like I'm investigating what's going on in the world and I'm following these trends to see like what's actually happening. Mm-hmm. Um but like what is real? What is real? Is it these relationships that you had? Is it the screen? Is it the job that you're, is it the mop you're holding right now? Like, yeah, that is the only thing that's real really is like the mop you're holding and like the chair you're sitting in and like the thing that you're watching on TV. Like those are the only things that are real in the moment. And like, you could look back and say things happened in the past and like they did happen in the past. Like there could be video evidence, there could be written evidence, but like, does it fucking matter if it happened in the past? Like for all it's concerned, if there aren't consequences, like things are done, you know? And like you have emotional consequences that like leave the scars in your brain and like make you react to things and make you Mm -hmm. flinch and make you feel a certain way about situations and create triggers for people. Um, But like when it comes down to it, if you can clear your mind, which like a lot of people are trying to do right now by looking at screens and like avoid COVID, avoid everything that they're thinking about, avoid their mortgage payments that they can't pay, Mm -hmm. avoid their rent, avoid whatever. Like they just want to look down at a screen and forget about the fact that the girl that they wanted to be with for the rest of their lives didn't sleep with them, you know? Yeah. And like, I think a lot of our society has really come down to that. It's like people getting angry at each other because they don't want to face what's going on in their lives and how their lives suck and how their family doesn't have good structure and their family doesn't work well together. You know, so many people can't just face the truth of what's actually happening in their own lives. And I feel like if you're brave enough to do that, that's when everything starts actually happening for you. That is worth it. And that matters because it's like what actually does matter to you? Like the people that I know that are actually pursuing like dreams or they're doing what actually matters to them. It's like they don't like I do stress about money, but it's like I feel like when you're just really passionate about what you're doing and you're working really hard, but you don't even like kind of realize how hard you're working because you enjoy it so much. So you're not like at the end of the day, you're not like feeling run down and upset and like taken advantage of by your boss or whatever. And then, um, you know, you also don't like my, everything I do for a living is like I love it and it's fun and even the stuff that's a little less fun is still like in my realm of what I want to do. So when I get home, I'm not like, oh man, like I have to relax. I have to have a beer. I have to like have fun now. I have to plan something for, you know, my day off so that I can have some fun. It's like that's already built into what I do. So I don't feel all this pressure like after work to be like, what am I going to do for me? Like and so many people can find that and they just don't think that they can like even my roommate you know she was saying during COVID like she graduated this year from college and she was just she's really stressed about what job am I going to have like where am I going to live and all that stuff and I was trying to encourage her because she has all these really big interests and she was looking for jobs that completely didn't have anything to do with them and I me and my other roommate were really confused we were like why don't you look in your field and she was just like I'm never going to make money in that and she's like you know, it's not going to work. And she's like, I mean, nobody likes going to work. And I was like, I love going to work. <laughs> I was like, I love, and she was like, yeah, but that's different. You're a performer. Like, of course that's fun. And I'm like, yeah, but performers aren't the only people in the world that love their jobs. Like I know a lot of people that love their jobs and they still are really hard working, but 
for me, like, and this is, I'm not trying to be like, oh, I'm so great or anything, but like someone asked me, cause once I, when I got my tax return, like my friend who's definitely more money minded, he was just like, well, how much did you end up taking in? And I was like, I don't know. And he's like, well, didn't you get your like tax return with all the numbers? And I'm like, yeah, but I just didn't like, I don't care exactly how much money I made. Like, I don't know. Like I, I, I don't know if something was weird. Maybe then I would look at it more closely and be like, okay, this isn't right or whatever, but I genuinely don't care because it's not about money for me. And it's like, I know that even if I do end like right now, you know, I, I do like, I have roommates and, you know, I pay a certain amount of rent and like, I know that if things start going bad or if there's like another phase of COVID where I can't make any money or something, um, like I know that that's going to be horrible and maybe I'll have to move back into my parents, which will suck. Or maybe I'll have to move into like a place that's not as nice. Or maybe I'll have to like, you know, maybe I'll have to get a job that I don't like just to like have a paycheck coming in or something. But I can't live my life being like, oh no, like what if everything disappears? Because it's like, I just want to, I just want to try to live in the moment as much as I can. And I don't want to be so paranoid with like money on my mind all the time. Yeah. Also, sometimes when things disappear, like it's whether you like it or not, you know, (laughs) like you can plan and plan and plan, but like, I don't know. Like one thing I've noticed, like since COVID is like, you try to schedule things with people and like people bail like crazy and like people were already flaky before COVID. And now it's just like, now it's doubly flaky, you know, <laughs> cause you don't know, Oh, somebody went out to some place and now they're like, I'm staying inside for two weeks or somebody like realized that they mixed up the two things that they were doing, even though those are the only thing that they're doing for two weeks, you know, mm-hmm. like everybody is so off the ball right now that like everybody's just like the worst version of themselves anyway, in a lot of ways, like it's there are weird. some people who are in better versions of themselves because like they've used the time alone to like find mental clarity and like make sure they take care of all the stuff in their life with which like I think a lot of people were behind on a lot of stuff and it takes like you said like having extra free time to be able to be like all right like I'm going to go through my garage I'm going to go through my closet I'm going to go uh apply for all these jobs that I need to apply to I'm going to take headshots I'm going to go uh edit a film I'm going to do this I'm going to do that like Mm -hmm. I think, like, if you if you know how to, like, self-assign tasks, like, you can figure it out. It's, like, I think a lot of times there are people who, like, I don't know. I don't know if this is controversial or not. I think there are some people who like to work for themselves, and I think there are some people who like to work for other people. Just because, like, I think there are some people who don't want to have to be the person who plans everything. It's easier. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, like, that is also though like where we get into issues because like sometimes it's like oh the boss doesn't do that much work and then everybody's doing the work for the boss or like vice versa it's like oh you're doing such a simple thing for somebody else it's like should you really get paid that much but then it's also like you're a human being of course you should get paid that much Mm -hmm. but like when it comes down to it like I think there's some people who like to be in charge and there's some people who are just like okay yeah like I just show up because I have to do this like I have other passions you know yeah and like it's finding how that works for you in certain settings and like realizing you can't be the dominant or the sub like in every situation and like Mm -hmm. there it is a give and take being in the world and like the reason why we have issues is because there are people who try to be doms in literally every aspect of of their lives Mm -hmm. and like never let anybody else win over them and it's just like cool you really want to be this person in life all right (laughs) yeah you sound fun (laughs) (laughs) I went through that when I took over running the company because 
I had performed and worked for my friend Melissa for three and a half years. And when I bought the company, I was, I had never been busier in my life. I was so busy. I had no money. Don't ask me how I bought a company with no money. Thank God Melissa trusted me until I had like money come, come in that I could give her like a down payment. But, um, I got so stressed and I was like crying. Like I got, I got, I had worse anxiety than I've ever had. I would wake up at 4am like out of a sound sleep as if someone was like shaking me awake. And I, I have never had that before. And I was like, um, met, like, I, I was like, I can't do this. I was like, I just want to go back to performing. Like it's so easy to just show up and perform. And now I have to like run everything and take care of everything. And I have to remember every single thing and I have to make sure everything is, you know, perfect and all that stuff. And it, it, it definitely was like that moment of realizing like, oh, like I get why like directors are always saying like that it's so hard to direct because you don't want like, like sometimes it's so, especially if we have like a really busy day and there's a lot of people working and everyone's like coming up to me and they're like, well, should we do this or this? Or like, is this okay? Is that okay? And I'm just like, uh, you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't, I also don't like putting on my in charge boss hat. If someone does something wrong, I hate it. I hate it. So like, even though I'm an Aries, so I'm a natural leader. Sometimes <laughs> I do miss like, just like showing up. And I actually, you know, I work retail to support my income. And I work at a very chill, like very upscale store with like all women. And it's very cool. And I actually really enjoy working there because it's so low key. And I am just like following someone else's lead. And I, and it's like a break from being like in charge of everything and worried about everything. And it's more slow paced. And I feel like it's actually, even though it's work and a lot of people hate retail for me, it's almost like therapeutic to be like in a less pressure situation where I don't have to worry about it all. And it's just, everything's not on my shoulders. So maybe I'm kind of like bipolar with that because I go back and forth. I can't stand having a boss who's incompetent. Oh and I yeah. Think, I think that's like the, the divide. I'm fine with like working for a boss. I just can't deal with incompetence and like having to tell people things and them not listening and being like, what do you, do you want help? Like I, I could just leave. Yeah. Like <laughs> you just said you wanted me to work for you. So I I'm working for you right now. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, and like, I think that's been like the case is like a lot of like job jobs that I've had, have had that boss where I was just like, why do I have this boss? Like this boss is terrible. Or like, how did this person get here into this position? Like yeah. they're not even capable. Like you, you expect it when you do like performance stuff to have like a crazy boss. Cause you're like, Oh, there's big personalities like uh people, people it's people who knew somebody to get the job so like you never know who's gonna be your boss like they could be somebody who's like a tyrant who just got the job because they're rich or something uh but like when you're in like the working world and you have a boss like that you're just like what like wh is your life that sad that you have to be this mean like I know. and it's like that just is the case is like so many people are just fucking sad you know yeah and then they take it out on people because they're so sad and it's like i don't know i yeah as an aries a lot of people are always trying to take our sunshine they can't though <laughs> they would love to have some of it but they can't yeah yeah I'm sure I feel like Charlie Kaufman would really appreciate that we're not even talking about like technical things about his movie and we've just kind of like gone off on this life discussion because I feel like that's probably what he would want. Yeah. Like technically the movie was amazing. Like I yeah. think that, like he did a great job. Like I don't know. As far as like inner monologue goes, I think like 
when people say voiceover is hack, like this was the least <laughs> hack way to use it was like being yeah. like, hey, people in relationships, like oftentimes are thinking in their heads different things than they're actually saying out loud. Mm-hmm. And like, you never truly know how somebody stands because like, you never know unless they say it out loud and what they say out loud might just be quotes from a movie. Right. And I like, love all the pop culture stuff. And I love like the, I love the color palette and all the cinematography, but so I actually like, I was kind of disappointed that it wasn't a time slip. It was like a dream or like a, like a delusion or a, you know, I was thinking maybe, um, maybe it was like he was dying and then like this whole movie happened in the span of like five seconds, like the last moments of his life. Like he had this like dream or delusion or something. Um, but I was hoping that it was real, but it was just like a time slip because like, I'm really fascinated by like time and stuff like that because in the trailer, it kind of, that's why I hate trailers. Cause they always have me going off on this other thing. Um, in the, in the trailer, it kind of seems like that house, the parents' house was like this portal where if you go in, you witness all of these different time periods in their life, which I guess it was that within the dream, but it, it was all like just a dream so that disappointed me at first but then once I watched it again I really appreciated all the little moments and that he did to like represent what a dream is like because I do feel like it's actually pretty similar to what it what dreams are like and I I would say like the first like the whole thing of them driving there and like all those conversations in the car like I like it but I would say that's like the weakest point of the movie to me when they get to the farm um up until the end like that's when the movie really was like alive for me yeah like all the moments in the house I actually like I took notes of some of them that I love so much so like the first thing I noticed that was like crazy was like the sweater changing I loved that because I feel like in dreams that is what happens like things change before your eyes but everyone just accepts it no one's like hey what the fuck yeah and and um I don't know what your dreams are like but I always feel like there's what you just described sounded more like acid to be honest I want to do acid I was like yeah like Sometimes you're looking at something and then all of a sudden it starts like morphing down and melting and you're like, huh, no. so that's what life is. Okay. <laughs> so I was just talking about this because I went to Woodstock and, um, well, I went to like the town of Woodstock, but I also went to the actual Woodstock site and I like walked the grounds and everything. And I really want to do, like, I have to do some form of LSD before I die. I never have done it. I've never done anything except, except smoke weed. Um, I really want to do like ayahuasca or something. So I'm just like putting that into the universe now. Um, Jordan, if you want to go with me to like one of those weird ayahuasca churches that they call them or whatever, we need to set that up. (laughs) Um, But like I love one of the other things I loved is like when they get to the farm and because I love weirdness. So I love that it's so weird that like they get there and she's like, oh, let's go inside. And he's like, no, like I need time or whatever. And it's like, why? Like we came here to go to your parents' house and we're here. Can we just go? And then they just end up walking the grounds and then they finally get into the parents' house and you're expecting them to be like standing there. And then it takes a while for them to even appear. Like that to me really feels like what my dreams 
feel like where I know things are supposed to be a certain way, but they're not happening that way. And I don't, sometimes I do have lucid dreams, but most of the time I don't know that I'm in a dream. And I'm, so I'm just kind of like, what's happening? Well, also you just said lucid dreaming, which like how much do you uh, dabble in astral projections? So like, I, do you feel like this could be kind of that is like the character is dying and like this is like when you're your astral projection, you could fly through all of these places that you've been in your life and kind of be like, oh, that happened. Oh, that happened. And then you just end up being under snow. <laughs> yeah, I'm happy that you brought that up because a lot of people who believe in the same kind of stuff that I believe in. 100% believe in astral projection and I don't know like I've never done it or anything I don't I don't I don't know like I'm not someone who 100% thinks that that's real but I also can't like deny it because there are things that I know are real that have happened that other people don't believe me or don't think that are real so I would never count something out and I think the mind is really really powerful so I don't know um I did one time when it, it actually changed my life I I, it was like a very, um, it was an incredible ex like spiritual experience where I did feel like I went into another state and I like heard not like a literal voice, but I felt like I got, like, I feel like I got, um, it's so weird. Like it was so, it wasn't words, but I felt like I connected to like a higher power, whether you want to call it God or whatever it is. I don't know. I do believe in a higher power. So, um, it depends you know, what your personal beliefs are, but I, it gave me like a lot of answers. You can be a Freemason. Exactly. Higher power. Sorry, continue. <laughs> no, that's okay. I understand. <laughs> so I just, I was really depressed at the time and I wasn't even trying to meditate. I, I'm really bad at meditating. So I wasn't even trying to, but I ended up in this like state of meditation or a trance and I felt like I connected to a higher power and I got like answers that I had been looking for for a long time and it totally changed my life. I suddenly appreciated everything like I even I remember walking outside after that happened and I like appreciated everything. I was like, wow, like the neighborhood I live in is beautiful. Like these trees are amazing like this. Like it's such good weather today. Like I'm healthy. Like I have so much and I wasn't even thinking about that before because I was too worried about like all the things that were bothering me and I was super depressed. So I, I believe that you can go to another place while you're in your bed, but not like you're literally floating, but like it's a mental thing. So I don't know exactly what they don't really define what exactly it is that we're seeing. We don't know if it's like a dream when he's sleeping or if it's like his life flashing before his eyes or whatever, or, but I do think it's really interesting thinking about like the last moments of your life, because this wasn't his life flashing. It wasn't like at the end of American Beauty where you see like, you know, he sees like his wife, he sees like his girl, his little girl when she was like in a fairy costume, like all that kind of stuff. And it's just like a few different flashes. This was more of like just one kind of delusion about this one girl. And so I wonder, like, I think that's really interesting about someone who's dying or when people have dementia and they just randomly start talking about something that happened when they were 14 as if it's happening now or whatever, because this random memory in their brain is accessed. They can't remember like what their daughter's name is, but they remember something that happened from high school or whatever. So I wonder like what exactly, yeah, like what exactly it is that we're seeing i i also kind of like it to be more abstract like mm -hmm. i don't like to say that it's a dream necessarily because i think that just takes away from it 
mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. Because, like, when it comes down to it, I don't think it matters, like, what we watched. Mm-hmm. I think, like, what it is is, like, somebody's life synthesized in, like, this way, whatever mm-hmm. that movie is. And, like, I think it's synthesized in a way that, like, works really well for, like, that longing for a past, that longing for, like, not being a high school outcast and, like being in your small town and like nobody paying attention to you, like kind of those things. But like, I do think when it comes down to it, it kind of is like, this is your dementia brain. This is like your no attention span brain. Mm -hmm. And this is just what it is now. Like once you get to a certain age, this is like how the world feels to you. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's like sometimes you're looking back at sad things that happened to you. Sometimes you're looking back at a moment of glory you had on a stage. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you're watching your parents die in front of you. Sometimes you're misremembering your parents dying in front of you and he's probably having dementia himself and maybe people Mm -hmm. yelled at him and he was confused by why people were telling him, why don't you remember this? What's the dementia thing? Like Mm -hmm. a lot of that stuff could just be in his head and he's putting it on to other characters of things that have happened to him because like we really didn't see anything happen. And like, once we realized that like the Jesse Plemons character wasn't really there and like Jesse Buckley wasn't really there or sometimes she was there and sometimes she wasn't like, Mm -hmm. then it kind of became like, Oh, it's just like a spirit. Like this is just a spirit of somebody's life. Like this isn't actually somebody's life or like a narrative. Like it's just like the essence of what it's like to be old looking back on your life and Mm -hmm. like the feeling of nostalgia and like what nostalgia is And, like, how scary nostalgia is for people who can't remember. The fact that you're like, wow, I used to have a life, and, like, now I can't even remember what I did Mm -hmm. three months ago, two years ago, seven years ago. I can't even remember whether or not I broke up with the girl or the girl dated me. I can't even remember if my parents saw us get married. I can't even remember, (laughs) you know? Well, I thought the part, that part was brilliant when, um, like first you see, and that was a funny slight gag, the directed by Robert Zemeckis thing. That was funny. But then, so in that scene, um, this guy is like defending this girl he has a crush on and, um, they, they, they like mention it, like, it's like in a restaurant, she's a waitress and like the customer's asking about a Santa Fe burger. And then in the movie, um, and in, and in the house, she comes downstairs, the dad is standing there with the nightgown and, um, he calls her in that moment, I think Luisa, whereas before he had called her Lucia, um, and maybe another name I can't remember. And he, so he calls her Luisa and he says, we met. Um, he's like, we met, she, she's like, she's a waitress. Whereas before he said all these other things that she was, and she's a painter, she's a poet, she's studying, um, quantum physics. And now he says she's a waitress. And he says, when we met, I was asking her about the Santa Fe burger. So he's confusing this movie that he watched with what actually happened. And I think that's really interesting because my brain is so obsessed with pop culture and I feel like if I did god forbid I hope this never happens if it does please just kill me if I did have dementia I could totally see myself thinking that like something from a movie happened to me or I could totally see myself like talking to like if my husband's sitting there like talking to him as if he's like I don't know 
Clint Eastwood or someone from this movie because that's what I I'm thinking about but I can't differentiate reality like that to me was so real and just in general like all of the pop culture references like the Pauline Kael thing when she suddenly turns into Pauline Kael I was like holy shit like that because that's something I've never seen in a movie before and I've said this a million times on the podcast but I watch so many movies (laughs) and I see all of the same shit over and over again and I can guess what's going to happen within five minutes of a movie and I'm not saying I'm so because I'm brilliant it's because they do the same thing over and over so like when you're watching a movie like this and you see this I wouldn't even call it a device because a device is usually something that's you know done multiple times I've never seen this before this this idea that she's talking about this movie and she's not giving her own opinion on it she's giving Pauline Kael's opinion in her exact <laughs> words and her tone of voice which I don't even think I've heard Pauline Kael's voice I've only read so I don't know if that is how she really sounded or if Coffin was just like do a different voice like do a voice of an older woman or something um but I just thought that was brilliant and the way that he responds to her as if it is her opinion like he has a book of Pauline Kael's reviews in his bedroom but when she's talking Pauline Kael's words and reciting this review, he doesn't recognize it as that's Pauline Kael's review. He just responds to her as if that those are her opinions. And so he just says like, you know what? Yeah, I actually can see where you're coming from on that and everything. And I don't know, that just blew my mind. That was, that was besides the Tulsi town scene and the parents, (laughs) that was probably my favorite scene. I was like, like, the first time I saw that, I was, like, blown away. I was like, wow. I think also, like, if you come from a world that likes Charlie Kaufman, like, you come from a world that likes cinema to the point where you're quoting it all the time and you're influenced by it. Yeah. You dress like your favorite characters. You act like your favorite characters. You, you do stuff uh, inspired by your favorite characters mm-hmm. and, like to live in a world where now we're watching movies and TV nonstop. It's always on our phones. It's always in front of us. Twitter's always in front of us. Yeah. Uh, We've gotten to the point where it's like, we're almost less ourselves because there is no self, you know? (laughs) Right. And there's things, this has already happened to me because there's things like, when I was a kid, I was the same way that I was now. I wanted to watch movies all the time. I watched all kinds of movies, not just kids' movies. Like, I saw Pulp Fiction when I was four. Like, I remember watching. Like, I like I watched Edward Scissorhands. Like, that was one of the first movies I ever saw. Like, I watched, like, really serious movies and violent movies and dramatic movies and all kinds of stuff. And a lot of comedies, too. And there are movies I watched a lot when I was, like, I don't know, six, seven, eight. And then I didn't watch again for, like... 10 years or 15 years and then I watch them as an adult and someone makes a joke or says something that I always say and then I realized I heard it from that movie that's why I think that is funny because I like when my brain was developing like I watched this certain thing and it implanted in me in a way that when I quote like I don't know, Steve Martin in this movie. I don't even know that that's what it's from. I'm just saying something that I remember. It's like if you watched a lot of Nickelodeon as a kid and you're attracted to feet. (laughs) (laughs) Or or indiscriminate faces that are primary colors. Or or faces on sticks. Remember Stick Stickly? I don't. You don't remember Stick Stickly? No. Um, He was like this weird... um, 
like it, he was a popsicle stick that they just put eyes and like a smiley face on and he was like the Nickelodeon like um Nick Jr. like he was like the Nick Jr. um spokesman I guess and it was just this little like they probably had no money and they were like what can we invent to be our like Nickelodeon spokesman a popsicle stick hmm. I did not know that so, okay, there's this one part. So I love how in the dinner scene and then the dessert scene too, how like the mood keeps changing, like the tone of the conversation keeps changing. And it's not, it's like none of the usual social cues that you would be in when you're meeting your boyfriend's parents. I love how like someone will say something that might be offensive. Um, like, oh, like there's that part where the dad says to her, like she says a, he says that she's into quantum physics. And then the dad says to her, oh, that's a strange thing for a woman to be in. Which could be, like, an offensive comment. But she replies without any offense, and she's like, it is, actually. Like, you're right. Just because there is, like, not a lot of women in that field. And then he responds defensively. Instead of her responding defensively, Kaufman had him dis- respond defensively, even though there was no reason to be defensive. And there's just all these, like peaks and valleys of like like you know they'll have Tony Collette like cracking up laughing for no reason for a long time when something isn't funny or whatever and then um I think probably my favorite moment in the entire movie and definitely my favorite moment of any movie this year is when um she's like talking about how she has issues with her ears and she keeps kind of like fading out and you could tell she's in pain and um and she's like laughing and she makes a joke or something. And then the dad says like very sadly, he's like, oh, that's, that's what made me fall in love with you. You're so funny. Like that's, you know, whatever, like talking about the past. And he says like, I miss her so much. And like, he says that and she's like, yeah, I guess it like wears away for a while. And it's like the saddest moment, especially because their son and their son's girlfriend is sitting there and you would never have that honest first of all most couples will never have that honest a moment privately but especially not in front of like this person they just met and their son too because that's kind of like you know why would you be talking about how romance and love and happiness and funniness faded away over time in front of your son you know what I mean and that that moment just killed me and then in the next instance it's like a completely different mood which is like how it's that's also how I know that you said you don't want to define it as a dream but that also is how dreams are like you you speed from one thing to the next so quickly without any kind of um without any kind of padding or normalcy and you just accept it like when I'm in a crazy dream I'm not like whoa this is crazy most of the time I mean sometimes if it's a nightmare or something like yes I'm terrified but I'm not I'm not stopping to be like wait this doesn't make sense a lot of the time when I I dream like I'll know in my dream like I know I'm home but the place I'm in is not my home like it's not my actual home and it's not any home I've had in the past and it's like, why do I know in my heart that this is my home, even though it's not? But I don't even question that until I wake up. And then I'm like, I was home, but it wasn't my house, you know? <sighs> uh, my disagreement is just like, or maybe it's not a disagreement, but maybe more just into this like wormhole. It's kind of just like, if it's a dream, I think it's all random events in the movie, you know? 
because like it's like oh does this make sense but if everything in the movie makes sense then i'm just like oh it's memory because all of these things are tied to emotions and like it was like a roller coaster of emotions and like if you think back to like dinners with your spouse and your parents you would remember all of the craziest things that would that have happened over the mm-hmm. 20 years that your parents were alive you know like i feel like that is more how i feel about the memory theory Mm-hmm. Is because I'm like, oh, all right, like, these are very clearly moments that would stick in somebody's head. Like, yeah. if, their, if their girlfriend was stubborn, if their parent was stubborn, if their mom was stubborn, like, whoever in their life was stubborn and, like, made them uncomfortable, they're going to remember that and be, like, triggered when they go to dinner next time, you know? Mm-hmm. And, like, I feel like a lot of the movie was, like, this guy's triggers, like, an old white man with so many triggers, like, he, like it's very obvious that he's so emotional about all of these different things because so many things have screwed with him. And like you live so many lives in your one life mm-hmm. and like to only be able to remember some of them, like it almost takes away the fact that like, Oh, I did do a good job and like found a lot of different opportunities and do a lot of different things. Because like when you look back on it, you're just like, ah, oh, I see my failures and I see that one time that I was up on the stage and could have kept being up on the stage Right. And, like, he really became the Judd character from Oklahoma, like, a scary, sad, like... I don't actually know that that musical, so um, I'm sure people that know it appreciated that. I mean, I appreciated it, like, as a theater person, but I don't know the plot of it. I legit did that for an audition one year. So, that song, yeah. Oh, I love that. Not very musical, but, uh, yeah, no, it's, like, literally a movie about being, like, alone, and like mm-hmm. being alone in a house that's like damned and like I don't really know the context of the play but it's just like it literally feels like if you're alone and everybody around you has died and you were looking back on your life this is how it would feel yeah and like I think that is like the beautiful thing about the movie is like the movie does end with like a whimsical dance number and like him up on stage getting his final number mm-hmm. and like him under the snow, which like isn't snow calming anyway. Wouldn't yeah. it have been nice to just stay and not leave during the snowstorm? Right. Which is like what everybody wants is just to be able to finally rest and stop driving and stop like going places. Like that mm-hmm. is like the one solace of death is that like. Once it's over, it's just over, and you don't have to be paranoid about whether or not your parents like this person. You don't have to be paranoid about your job. You don't have to be paranoid about anything. Like, it's just, mm-hmm. ah. Well, the fact that the final moments were, like, him on stage, obviously, like, we're performers, that that really, I think, resonated with me so much, especially because something I've thought about a lot recently, because I've been really mad that people are going through with their weddings during this time. Like, I think it's so insanely selfish, like ridiculous, unless you're having like 10 people outdoors, like just your closest family or whatever, or if you're going to city hall, I mean, people that are having regular weddings. Okay. Um, it's like, I was talking about like, how could you like, why, why not just postpone it? You know, if you have to get married for religious reasons or something, then go get married. But insurance reasons, insurance reasons. Yeah. Like, like having a, a regular wedding though, I just think is very, I mean, there was that wedding in Maine that over 200 people have been infected because of it. Three people died. I just can't imagine being that selfish that you need to have this moment where everyone's, you know, looking at you because, congratulations, you found love. Like, it's so weird to me when people say congratulations that 
you're getting married as if you accomplished something by like, it's just so weird. I don't know. But one thing my friend said to me is she was like, I agree with you, but she's like, you have so many moments in your life. Like, first of all, every weekend with your company, but also so many moments where everyone's attention is focused on you. It's your moment. You're all dressed up. Like you look great. You're showing your talent. Like you have people's attention. You hold people's attention. She's like, most people go to work every day. They're underappreciated by their boss. They're working really hard. They don't make enough money. And then they plan this day two years in advance where it's their day. And I was like, that makes so much sense. Like I still don't agree with it. Cancel your weddings. But, um, that makes so much sense. Like I don't like, I, I don't even care about like standing up there with my husband and everyone watching us like that to me is weird I don't know like I would rather have like a low-key wedding anyway but I like it does make sense like I get dressed up in gowns all the time like even before I was a princess I was in theater and stuff like I always am like in this extravagant thing and like everyone pays attention to me and like it's a whole process and it's like this whole thing where I have people's attention and like it's weird because I don't, that's not why I'm an actor. I'm not like, oh, I need attention. But I understood more when she said that of how important this day is to some people. Like if you always feel underappreciated and you don't feel like people ever pay attention to you like that. And then, oh my God, you've accomplished this thing where you found a person that can stand you to the extent of making it a legal contract. <laughs> Congratulations. Now <laughs> we'll all show up for you. Now we'll spend money on you. Now we'll, we'll pay attention to you all because you accomplished this thing that everyone tells you that you have to accomplish in order to be happy. Now we're all going to show up at your big thing. I'm like, wow, that was a really profound comment that she made. And that made sense to me. So the fact that he, at the end of the movie, and in the end of the delusion or or whatever, has everyone's attention, that was just so profound. Because a lot of, a janitor yeah. would never have people's attention like that, which sucks. Janitors should be paid a million dollars for having to deal with all of that literal shit. Um, but yeah, so that, that was another thing that I just really connected with. Yeah, no, I think that also was like the big picture of the film. So, like, I think it's good that we're, like, ending off there mm -hmm. uh, with the ending, which is, like, like you said, like, everybody kind of hopes that when you die, like, you kind of get that moment of, like, like, I look back on everything and, like, I did a good job. Mm -hmm. And, like, I think that helps people, like, get by is, like, thinking mm -hmm. that that's at the end and, like, knowing that you get there. And I think that makes kind of the plea for common decency in like a world where everybody is so fucking mean to each other mm -hmm. and hates each other and is against the other side so much like when it comes down to it like people just want to be listened to a little bit you know and like there are definitely some people who overtake their space mm -hmm. and then it's like okay like there's other people who want to be listened to but when it comes down to it, most people don't get that, like you said mm -hmm. people just want agree. credit like people just want to know that like something that they did was like noticed you know like I mean some of the best like moments of my life was when like I was talking to someone and like they mentioned something about me that like I think is a like big thing but no one ever notices and like every once in a while you meet someone who like gets you and they like say something and I'm like wow like thanks for noticing that and I like I said I am someone who has attention on her a lot and like is like you know on stage or whatever and still I feel like disenfranchised a lot where I'm like oh like 
some of my friends don't even really know me. Like, they don't get, like, the core of me. And then sometimes you meet someone who does, and you're like, ah. Like, whether it's a friend or, like, a romantic (laughs) connection, it's just, like, so refreshing. And it seems like he never... It's so sad, but it seems like he never had that with anyone because that person probably would have been in his whatever. And just to clarify, I don't think it's a dream in the sense that he went to sleep and then dreamed it. I think it's, to me, it's kind of like a blend of like a dream, a delusion, memories. Like it's just kind of like a mix of all of it, especially because the pop culture is in there. It's like things that happened to him, things that didn't happen to him. Like this girl was a real girl, but they met and it didn't go anywhere. Um... But here's the thing. Like, I want to know more about your opinion on the Tulsi Town scene because, so that scene. We talked about it a little bit over text, I think. Yeah. It was like, we, when we were coming up with the themes of the film, we were like, oh, well, like, there's definitely in, like, films that remind us of our hometowns Mm -hmm. because I was just like, very much like, this is a small town Mm -hmm. thing. Yeah, so I grew up in Vernon, New Jersey, and Jordan grew up five minutes down the road in Warwick, New York. But when we're talking about ice cream, this matters because Belleville Creamery is the greatest creamery in the country. Yeah, and also Dairy Swirl. (laughs) But also Dairy Swirl, where I went to rebel. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So (laughs) that's okay. But what do you make of... So this was, like, my other favorite part. What do you make of the girl... That the the not the popular girl, the other girl in the ice cream uh, place, and she breaks like she breaks not breaks the fourth wall, but whatever you would call it, and she says like you don't have to stay in this timeline, like you can do whatever you want or whatever, like and like who like that's the part that get that's the part that especially because that was in the trailer too. That's what made me think it was a time slip. Like it, it made me feel like Jesse Buckley doesn't know what's happening. Um. And she's, like, trying to figure out as she goes along and everything's really weird, but she's just kind of, like, accepting it and moving forward in time. And she's, like, you don't have to move forward in time. Like, you can do whatever. Like, what part of his brain was that or whatever? Because to me, in if in a time slip movie, that would be the person who's, like, experienced with time travel, right? And she's coming in and she's being, like well, this is crazy shit, but, like, I'm going to tell you what's really going on. And then, and she has blood all over her. Sorry about that, guys. We hit our crazy, crazy two-hour mark. I yeah. didn't even know that there was a two-hour mark anymore. So maybe we'll put in a commercial at exactly two hours. That was your, like, radio station host voice, which I don't hear that much. Hey, hey, I was, hey. I was excited. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah, we were talking about the girl in the Tulsi Town scene that kind of breaks the fourth wall and breaks reality and like tells her you don't have to go forward in time you can stay here you can do whatever so like Uh, what do you think that was uh i think like this has a lot to do with your interpretation of the film and like your perspective of the film you know because like i think there is definitely a way that you could read the film where the jesse buckley character is the only main character and it's all in her head Mm -hmm. you know like you could easily do that also because Mm -hmm. like she easily could have ended the relationship but instead she stuck with this guy until the end Mm -hmm. and now she's watching him up on a stage when she's the important one and has interesting thoughts and like was inspired by arts you know Mm -hmm. and like I think that's also a thing that happens in relationships a lot, especially old time relationships. Like now with the internet, I feel like it's pretty hard to get into a bad relationship 
and not know what you're getting into just because like i feel like everybody's so judgy everybody is like <laughs> so crazy outward with like all of their social media everybody's so opinionated like yeah. how could you marry somebody right now and like not know who they are but like back in the day like i feel like you would marry somebody and like not completely know who they are and like they grow over time but like now i feel like you kind of know everything about people because everybody's so narcissistic that they tell you everything about them. But like, I do think there is like genuinely something about like, if in the past, if somebody was a bad person, like you need to rely on like somebody else telling you that they're a bad person. If that's how you interpret that scene, you know, or you can interpret the scene as like, every bad relationship is a bad relationship because people didn't get out when they could have gotten out, you know? <laughs> and like, it's only a bad relationship because it goes too long. Like necessary, like you can have relationships that just end and they don't have to be bad. Right. And like, you could look back on your relationships and not be like, this is a failure as you shouldn't look back at your life at the end and be like, this was a failure that I lived for 60 years and I'm dead now. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, I feel like, I don't know. I think like, I, I think a lot of the toxic people in the world and like, kind of this generational divide is very much like oh if you're a woman like you have a chance to get away from these toxic men and like leave them in the dust and i think a lot of toxic men are realizing now that women don't need you and you're going to be left alone if okay. women don't need you so do you think she was like a catalyst to be like you don't have to be stuck in this weird thing with this guy like just leave okay cool see that's why i asked you <laughs> uh yeah I well i think that's definitely like why that was placed in there how like you're never with a toxic person without somebody saying you need to leave that person like mm -hmm. at least now like i think in the past that was a thing like oh we didn't know that they beat them or like we didn't know that that happened behind closed doors and like there is still a lot that you don't see behind closed doors but like, I feel like people are opinionated. If somebody is a Trump supporter, they will let you know within the first day of meeting them how they feel about what's going on with the country, you know? Mm -hmm. And like, there's a lot of people who just used to ignore stuff like that. They just used to ignore like toxic things. They just used to ignore microaggressions. And I think now we're in a place where we're like, wow, we ignored this for so long and now it's all just in the past and we're sad because we didn't act on anything. We messed up. Yeah. Yeah, I also think like the the part the continuous part of her um she keeps saying I have to go, I have to go, I have to go, like I have to work tomorrow, I have to go and like no one really listens to her. Um I've had dreams like that where I'm supposed to go do something, but for whatever reason I can't leave. Like every time I try to leave the house, I'm like, "Oh, I need my sunglasses. Oh, where are my keys? Oh, I have to feed the dog. Oh, I have to walk the dog." And it's like a whole dream that feels like 10 hours long and I never do the thing that I need to do and it's like very anxiety inducing. And so that also kind of reminded me of my own dreams and I felt like the tie in there with that girl was kind of like like she didn't say this in explicit words, but it it was kind of like, you know, just get away from him. Like, you don't, if you have to go home and you have to go to work, like, get out of there somehow. Like, just, like, obviously it was in the middle of nowhere and didn't yeah. seem like there was Uber or anything and it was, like, winter, so whatever. But I guess, like, it is kind of symbolic of, like, if you're thinking of ending things, like, go for it. <laughs> also, yeah, also if it's inside of that janitor's head and that's, like, what the movie is, then very conceivably there were girls who told a girl that he loved that he is a bad person from his hometown or something, somebody who knew him before and then was like, he's a bad person, don't listen to him. Mm -hmm. And then that's how he lost his love, you know? 
like I also can interpret it that way kind of is like you're paranoid that people are going to talk badly about you. Well, why are people talking badly about you? Were you a bad person or do you deserve to be talked bad about? Like, I think that also is like part of the, yeah, part of the Tulsi town thing is like, yeah, like a small town for like women is very toxic and a small town for men is very toxic. A small Mm -hmm. town is very toxic. (laughs) Like it's very toxic for everybody to be in everybody's business and everybody to be comparing and have like this competitive nature about them. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And then also when, like I loved this part when he's like, so obsessively he's like we have to throw these away like they're melting all over the car and she's like no just let's just go home like i have to get home why do we have to throw these away right now and he insists on stopping at the high school and throwing them away and then um he goes to throw it away but he can't and then you see later it's because the entire dumpster is full of the exact same thing and so that again made me think of like a time loop or a time slip because i'm like oh they've been there already like they've already done this 200 times or whatever or was that like like is that symbolic of he's replaying this in his mind over and over and over and over again i think it's a little bit of symbolism of what's actually going on and i think it's also like a little bit of a metaphor for just life is that like constantly you're doing things that you're like why are you doing that i have to go do something else like why are you doing that like i had to do this thing and like you're doing it again and it's like Every time somebody, like, takes you away from your life, like, it feels like, oh, like, why are they disrupting my life? Like, it's just one little thing. But, like, one little thing happens every day of your life, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, every day is tough. Like, every day that you get through and, like, interact with people and, like, don't fight with people and don't hate people and don't lose all of your money, like, is a tough day, you know? Every day you're healthy and have food is a day, like... That's another thing. This is all fucking make-believe, you know? Right. Like, all the things that happen in this movie, you're like, wow, this is all imaginary. But then you're also like, well, duh, it's all imaginary. We used to be cavemen, and we used to just walk around, and of (laughs) course none of this shit mattered. Like, we would literally just be looking for fire, and now we have all this anxiety because we need more than just fire, (laughs) you know? Now we need to have self-worth and love and, like to feel safe before we die. And like, that's an important thing for us. And it's like, you think cavemen were worried about feeling safe before dying? They were worried about feeling safe from like the pterodactyls, you know? Right, they were like, I have to get past this mastodon to get my dinner. Let me go get my club. (laughs) And now, Um, and, and you guys are concerned about your life and you're upset and depressed about your life. Like, be happy that you had all this. Like, look back at the dances and be happy that they made up all this stuff so that you don't have to think about death. Be happy yeah. that, you, that you have musicals. Be happy you have this stupid high school, you know? <laughs> Lord, there's just so much in this. I feel like I like we've we have to wrap up, but like we could probably go another two hours if we just like explored more things that are in this movie because I feel like we haven't even scratched the surface. And maybe in like a year we should do a follow-up episode once we've like seen it a couple more times or something and we've lived another year and We'll see what happens then. I think it would be better to do it in like 2040. <laughs> and then like Okay, see you then. We're both <laughs> we're both like married with kids and like have like jobs in like different coasts and we're like, yeah, like I'm thinking of anything. Life is actually good. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's actually happiness in life because we learn to value the present moment. Wait. In 2040, we should go on a road trip in the Oklahoma winter and record 
our podcast in the car and we also need to stop and get ice cream and then we need to stop at a random high school and throw it away. I'm down. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Just making sure. Well, thank you guys so much for listening to another episode of Movies Cinema Cinema Film. Film. Uh, Leah, you have anything to plug besides Capriya Moon? For no, all that's my Instagram and my Twitter. And if you're a producer, director, writer, um, anything involving film, TV, or theater, please hire me. That's all I have to say. Uh, if you guys are looking for Jordan Free comedy shows, uh, I'm going to be performing on October 3rd at Club Flamingo in Hackensack in a backyard of a strip club, I think. Nice. Uh, should be fun. Um, also New Jersey Weedman's Joint is every first, second, and third Wednesday of the month. Uh, we've been performing it in the backyard, socially distanced with masks on more or less very far away, only taking it off to uh, smoke a little uh, ganj. So come on out if you're looking for a fun, unique event uh, that you can actually do in quarantine. Trenton's a little bit of a road trip for a lot of people I know, but uh, you won't be upset. It's always a fun time. Yeah, and if you know any good places to do ayahuasca, tweet us. I think that's where you were last week. Woodstock is probably the best place to uh I wonder if people. there is, ooh, that's interesting. I wonder if they're in, in Bethel, like by the site. It seems like that would be... Because think about how many people connected to Woodstock. I know. Oh, I could talk about it forever. But think about how many people connected and they were like, wouldn't it be cool to like live where Woodstock is? And now it's been 50 years since Woodstock happened. So there's been 50 years of people being like, the thing happened here. All of the greats were here. The magic is here. Yeah, there was definitely energy there that was amazing. And there's also, um, there's a museum at the site too. So you can walk around the grounds, but then there's also a museum. And when you're walking to the museum, there's like stones on the ground that people bought, like dedications. And um, a lot of people are people that were there. And one of them said, I can't remember the names. It was like David and Linda um, met at Woodstock together ever since 1969 to 2019. And I like got tears in my eyes. I was like, wow, like imagine meeting there. And that's like the person you spend like at that epic historical, like amazing concert. And then that's the rest of your life. Like it was very profound. <laughs> Rena's dad has been to Woodstock. Whoa, to Woodstock. <laughs> cool. I want to talk to her about maybe, that. Maybe we'll have her on the pod. Yes. To tell that story. Well, thank you guys so Thanks, much for guys. listening. Bye. We love you.